Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome along to Wednesday, the 10th of August. Another thrilling cab story this morning about our trip through Chinatown because he was following the sat-nav. Dear God in heaven, honestly, where do they get these people from? Will Young waltzes his way onto Strictly, but conveniently forgets his years of training at Arts Educational. In fact, he's forgotten about it completely. A bit like we've forgotten about the fact that he was a singer. Uh Plod save the Queen. Three palace break-ins they've had. One man is still on the run. It's obviously that easy to get into Buckingham Palace, but remember the last time, don't we, when the Queen had that man sitting on her bed, and so she's frantically phoning through, and the, and the, the police officers were sitting having a fag in the box, and the, uh, the alarm's going off, and they just thought it was a blip or something like that. It was only a servant coming in, going... Good God, ma'am, what's he doing here? That they suddenly realised that something was awry, somebody's sitting on the Queen's bed. Dear Lord above, honestly, how do you get a job working at Buckingham Palace? Probably the same person driving my car. Uh, let's hope the kids are GB heroes and not CBB zeros. Princess Beatrice, we think, has got a new boyfriend. She kicked Dave out um, and she's found somebody else. But there again, she always was bone idle, celebrating her birthday again. And then the other one's pictured in a magazine. They go, oh, they're entrepreneurs. and they're, No, they're not. They're just lazy. They're just totally lazy. Uh, Cary Grant, bisexual. The secrets of the Hollywood star. Um, I thought everybody knew about Cary Grant's bisexuality. Does it really make any difference? Is it really such a shameful thing? Probably was in those days in Hollywood. They kept Rock Hudson's gayness secret, didn't they? In fact, everybody knew about it except the woman they made him marry. Because at one time he married this uh, woman. She didn't have the faintest idea that he was gay. And they had to keep it sort of fairly quiet. And uh, But as I say, it was it was a secret in Hollywood that lots of people knew about. When you knew about certain celebrities, you knew about their sexuality because all of the gossip columnists were all powerful and they paid. They paid to pick up not just tittle-tattle, but stuff which could destroy people's careers. And they knew all about Rock Hudson. They knew about Cary Grant. They knew about all the girls who were... In fact, at one studio, they used to have the sort of the, uh, the casting couch at three o'clock in the afternoon... The studio would sort of close down and the uh, the boss of the studio would be entertaining young ladies who wanted to be actresses. In fact, there's a very good book called The Casting Couch, which you must read, because it turns out that practically every one of those big stars in Hollywood was bedded by the person who owned the studio. It was the way that you got through. And the only person who didn't go through The Casting Couch because she wasn't attractive enough was Betty Davis. That was the only one they said she was... <laughs> Everybody else was doing it. If you remember, Joan Crawford was working practically as a hooker. And uh, all these people came with pass. So what the studio had to do when they got somebody who became famous, who the screen liked, they had to try and destroy everything. And in Joan Crawford's case, they had to destroy pornographic films of which she'd made quite a few, including one of them where she portrayed an actress who had to bed the owner of the studio to get a job, which was not actually unsimilar to the way that her her um, her career worked. Uh, the pet owner in the paper today, she had to rifle through thousands of bags of rubbish to find her runaway tortoise. I never I never thought tortoises were that, were that exciting, I'm afraid. I was a, I, we, we have had tortoises in the past and we just used to keep moving its cage around on the lawn so that it would sort of eat different bits of grub. But they weren't that exciting, were they? You can't really cuddle a tortoise. Well, you can, but it's, you might as well cuddle a shell. Uh, also, uh, the RMT pickets are out. The East Coast is now, now under threat. I don't quite understand. I was listening to Nick Ferrari talking about this the other day with somebody from the RMT trying to explain to them why on certain lines you can have the driver operating the doors and yet on certain other lines the RMT get, well, you can't do that. And so you, you, you can't have the driver opening. It's got to be a guard sitting there opening the door. What, what's the difference? 
What's the difference? The driver sits there. He could see everything. He's only got to push a button. He can see along all the... Uh, perhaps you should really have somebody at the station doing it. Because that would be the easiest way, wouldn't it? I suppose. Um, what else we have today? Oh, we had the, the fly tippers caught in the act. Love fly tippers. I think they should all be hanged, myself. But that's only because I'm, I'm sort of horrified by people who decimate the countryside. Uh, dreary old Helen Skelton. I'll say it again, Helen. It's not about you, darling. OK, it really is. It's not about you. It's the Olympics. I couldn't give a toss about what outfit you're wearing or the people who want to sit there and perv over you. That's their, uh, that's their shorts again? Oh, not today. And yet it was so hot yesterday. Very fickle with these shorts, aren't we? One minute we're wearing shorts, now we're not wearing shorts. Somebody complained? Somebody? I'd say, oh, right. Do you, do you have shorts with you that you can sort of put on later? I bet you have, haven't you? I bet you've got a pair of shorts with you. Of course you have. There you go. Because <laughs> he rides his bike to the station. I don't know what I would think of that. It's got nothing at all to do with it. Uh, anyway, uh, also jail for the Dolly Parton fan who blasted out tunes until 4am. But the best news, the best news of the night was the fact that over in the No Marks house, Sarah Khan got evicted from the Big Brother house. This is this uh, lacklustre, permanently brain-dead woman who seemed to think and said to somebody the other day, she said, of course, I'm a very strong woman. In her own mind. Unfortunately, she's not. She's weak, feeble and pathetic. This is the woman who didn't want to have sex with her husband and said he's free to go and have it with anybody else. Quite clearly, she's more deluded than we ever thought. She is a failure. That's why she was kicked out. And, and the other thing which I was amazed at, after the vile rantings of, uh, of Jordan, known as Katie Price, known as Katie whoever, um, they didn't mention it once on Loose Women. Funny that, isn't it? I thought they were a topical programme. I thought they were a topical programme. Obviously not. I don't know who was on the panel yesterday. You'll have to tell me, because I cannot remember because I didn't see it. But uh, I would have thought they'd have mentioned it first of all. So did you have this, this meltdown, this drunken rampage where you were insulting people and using every word under the sun? They never mentioned it. How funny. How funny. Very bizarre, very bizarre, very naff. But not at all shocked that Sarah Khan got evicted. They're going to keep in uh, Bear because he's just disgusting. I mean, as somebody pointed out, and I, I will read the whole thing to you because it's absolutely spot on the money. It's everything that we've been saying... But uh, but done a little bit better, and uh, and it's by Jane Moore in her column today, and she said, "I'll uh, have I got time? Yeah, I can do it now. Actually, no, no, I'll, I'll save it for later because it's quite a good uh, it's quite a good story." But uh, this morning's taxi ride in again, I mean, it, it just it just goes from bad to worse. It goes from bad to worse. So the one this morning, um, I get the what, what I get on my phone is I get a notification. And they say, the driver, so-and-so, so-and-so, who's booked for you, is on his way. And then you click onto a, a link, and it shows you a map of where I am. And it shows me a map of where they are. And it tells me how many minutes they are away. OK, so you, uh, you look at it, and you go, OK, that's fine. Now I can do this, that, and all the rest of it, because I know exactly how far away they are. Now, this all determines whether they activate their, their sat-nav. Anyway, so then um, I watched it. It was 15 minutes away. Then it was seven minutes away. Then it was four minutes away. Then it was two minutes away. And then, and then they go, you know, it's, it's practically here. And so there he is. And he goes straight past me. Straight past me. I mean, the biggest numpty you've ever found in the entire universe. So he goes straight past me. So I think, OK, in a minute, he's, he's going to try to work, work, work out that he's in the wrong place because he must have the same map that I've got. Anyway, this one this morning was so dumb, he could only follow sat-navs. He didn't know anything at all. And he obviously didn't know where, where the pickup was. In fact, he didn't know anything. So then he sort of comes back down the other side of the road, but he turns off. 
and he disappears for about three minutes. And I get the message, your driver has now arrived. Well, of course he hasn't. He's arrived, God knows where. Anyway, uh, daft one, then kind of worked out that maybe this wasn't the address. So he comes out of that turning, and he goes straight past me again on the other side of the road. <laughs> I'm kind of the only one standing there at the pickup. You know, that would be the clue. And uh, we do this six days a week. It's not like we don't do it, you know, very often or sort of once in a month or something like that. And he said, but then he sailed past again. And I thought, well, this is now turning into something really stupid. And then uh, he parks up, but he's the other side of the road, but a bit further up. So he's not at the pickup at all. And I have no intention of walking. Otherwise, if I wanted to walk, I'd have bought myself a pair of roller skates and skated into work. But I didn't want to do that. So I sort of stand there and, uh, and he's sitting there. And I'm waving my arms. I look like an animated windmill. Oh, it's me, it's me, it's me. Get your blooming bum over here as quick as possible. Otherwise, I'll drive myself. So I phoned him because they give you their phone number. And I said, are you going to come over here and pick me up or are you going to sit there all night? Because by now, he's late. In theory, I shouldn't be paying for this because I arrived in work too late this morning. I didn't get enough time in. Ten past three we arrived in too late. Even the producer, who's now had to get my phone number, so that means we're going to be plagued with that one. Every time he goes into a pub over the weekend, he's had a few drinks. He goes, look, I, I know Steve Allen. Look at this. I'll do FaceTime Steve Allen. You watch. Hi, Steve. It's Mike. I could see that. I can see us becoming best FaceTime buddies. Not. So anyway, so the driver then comes into town. I thought, oh, good. So we go up uh, where are we going to? We're going up Shaftesbury Avenue. I thought, well, good. He's, at least he knows. And he indicates right uh, as if to come into the square, which is next to the Hippodrome. Nope. No, no, no. We don't do that. We go the right before that, which is taking you up into Chinatown. And as we go down this road full of cars, I go, where are we going? And he said, uh, well, um, and he didn't, he didn't really have it. I don't think he knew where we were going at all, actually. And so he said, I'll, I'll go left at the end. I said, you can't go left at the end. There is no le- it's no left turn at the end of that road. And also, had, he, had you been able to go left, he still would have had to gone all the way round Shaftesbury Avenue again to get us back to here. So we end up going up through Chinatown. I mean, this man was the biggest idiot I've ever seen. I mean, and so I said, where are we going? He said, I'm following the sat-nav given to me by the company. I mean, if that's the criteria of giving somebody a job, dear God, I want to see some sort of qualification. Not just sitting in a car being able to follow a sat-nav. The reason he was late getting to me is because he said, I don't know the area. Well, I drive in loads of places where I don't know the area, but at least I've got a brain inside my head that tells me that if you look on the map and that's the pick-up place and the car is over here, then quite clearly you've not married up, have you? So we go down. So we have to go round again, up Shaftesbury Avenue and all the way down. And then we come into Leicester Square and he goes, and he's British, this bloke. I could understand if it was somebody who just arrived on the back of a transporter or something. He didn't have the faintest idea where they were going. But dear God in heaven, if you're working as a driver in and around London, you should have a basic knowledge of it, shouldn't you? So he said, are we allowed in Leicester Square? So I, I say the same thing every time I go, always. Never been a time when you're not allowed in Leicester Square. There's a hotel in here. There's businesses that have got to get their food delivered. Of course you've always been able to drive in it. What, are you stupid or something? But I didn't say that. I just said, always, always. So anyway, he drops me off at the end. And of course, it's another one of these, don't worry, I'll walk to the door. You know, and I said, you go out that way. Because sometimes I've watched them turn around and try and go back out the same way they've just come in. Providing absolute mayhem for all the drunks wandering through the square. It's always entertaining. And as I always say when I come in, at least I've got about, you know, ten minutes to fill on the programme. On how inept most drivers are nowadays. I mean, seriously, 
you know, I'm paying serious money for this thing. It's not like I'm paying peanuts. Although, to be honest with you, <laughs> I'm getting monkeys driving the cars because this one can only follow sat. That's why people drive off the end of cliffs. They go, the sat-nav told me to do it. Or a lorry is stuck down a country lane. Why? The sat-nav told me to do it. I mean, you do worry, don't you? I mean, I have sat-navs in the car. I wouldn't rely on them. I really wouldn't rely on them. What I would rather do first, if, if I didn't want to rely on the sat-nav and I didn't know where I was going, I'd put it into the AA Routemaster thing on the internet. And you put in the postcode I'm starting from and the postcode I'm going to. And then I, I look at it and I go, yeah, 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 I know. And that's how I find places. It's much easier than relying on the sat-nav. Because the one in the car is so blooming complicated. I mean, seriously, it's got a remote control by itself. And it talks to you. And, it, and I, I don't want anything to talk to me in the car. I get a bit frightened. So, uh, so we don't do that. So anyway, so that was my experience this morning of the car. It's lovely, isn't it? And, uh, and Damien says, do you not have a... Uh, a personal driver. No, no. That you, 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 you have a car, but it's different every day. I think Lisa Aziz gets the same driver every day. I don't know how she manages to get that. I've never managed to get the same one at all. And the cars vary. And uh, Maria says, uh, dreading the hot weather, make sure you've got your air conditioner on. Yes, 90 degrees. Producer, wee, wee. It goes out like that. It really gets on my bloody nerves. It really does. I mean, obviously, it's the kind of thing. Because he's Australian. But to be honest with you, he's paler than I am. I don't know why he loves the uh, the weather, because I can't see any anybody within, you know, breathing space being allowed to let him take his shirt off or anything like that. Must look like a small Afghan rug lying on the grass, mustn't it, I suppose? <laughs> a bit like Christina Onassis. No, that's cruel. That's very cruel, Stephen. It's not her fault. She was very hairy. But um, I could, do, you, do you go out into parks and lie down in a park? Or do you sunbathe in your luxurious garden? Do it. You go in parks. What is it about parks and people? Do you go down, you take a bottle of water on your bicycle and you go down, the bike's lying on the grass next to you and you just sort of lie there covering yourself in ombre solaire. Like that, is it? Not like that at all. You're lying, aren't you? You just look like a small beached porpoise on there. <laughs> is porpoise spit in Australia? Porpoise, porpoise spit? That was in a film called Muriel's Wedding and they talked about porpoise spit. I wasn't sure if it was a real place or if it was a made-up place. I'm sorry, are you Australian? I do, I do beg your pardon, honestly. I sometimes mention these sort of places on Australia. You look at me blankly like you've never been out of Sydney. There's a joke there somewhere. And I sort of think to myself, you know, if I mention... <laughs> slow reaction on that one. If I think to myself, if I mention all these Australian places, you know, I mean, is there a place called Alice Springs? There is. Yeah, all right. I'll shout. I've read the book. I've seen the film. You know, do you, did, you, did you read the... Did you know what the story is of Alice Springs? You know how it, uh, how it, how it came up, a town like Alice... No, that was the uh, the prisoner of war, Japanese prisoner of war, and um, and when he came back, the girl that he fell in—it's a super film. Get the film, really. Came back, and they wanted to set up a town like Alice, a Bonza town. They used to say a Bonza town. It's an Amer- Australian word, isn't it? Bonza. I think it must be good, or something like that, or great. Have you heard the word Bonza? Are you sure? Sorry, are you sure you're Australian? You haven't sort of wandered in from Mozambique, have you, or something? And you're just trying to. F- you don't know what I'm talking about, no. Oh, well, I, well, been keeping with the rest of the audience then. But uh, <laughs> Stephen Milne's up. That's all I need to know. I don't care about anything else. Stephen Mil- well, I say he's up. He's on his way home, I'm assuming, uh, after he's been working very, very hard. I say working very, very hard. I always, <laughs> I always wonder, actually. Uh, giving producer a hard time. The trouble is, it's, he's not in... And this morning, I've helped him out. I mean, I, I did say to him... Stephen, that I look at myself more of, more as his carer now 
You know, I said, because I'm the older one out of the two, so I've got to look after him. So I've given him some popcorn. I didn't tell him what flavour it was, because it's uh, mojito flavour. So a little bit boozy, woozy, woozy. Yes, yeah, actually, mojito flavour. I wonder why you're eating it with such relish. And it's very Moorish, isn't it, popcorn? I always used to think the popcorn's not fattening until I realised it isn't by itself. But when at the time they put flavours on, then all of a sudden it becomes it. But it doesn't matter, because, you know, you are gradually learning to fit those shirts that you've got, uh, which is nice. You're filling them out beautifully. <laughs> oh, I've got to take a break. I knew there was something. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not really giving him a hard time, Stephen. Not hard time at all. But he doesn't look as, as good as you do. You know, and Stephen goes back to Australia quite quite regularly. So he works over there and he works over here. And he spends a lot of time doing the sun-worshipping thing. Whereas you look like you probably just do a winter iceberg or something like that. You don't look as though you've ever lain in the sun in your life. You are so... I'm darker than you. And I don't even lie in the sun at all. I'm trying to protect my body against skin cap. Don't take that tone. Do not take that. Always the way with you, isn't it? If you feel you're losing... You're, you're, you're prime candidate for Celebrity Big Brother. Because if they start losing an argument, they start raising their voices and shouting a little bit. And it's a bit unnecessary. I will tell you what Jane Moore said about it later on, which is very interesting. And thank you for all the uh, the offers of driving me in. But I have a contract. And, um... I you know, right. You're in that... Really, that phew, I tell you, you watch yourself this morning, fella, my lad. Who used to that young fella, my lad? I think Paddington books. I'm all over the place this morning. Aren't I? I quite like it when I'm all over the place because even I don't know what the, what's happening on the program. And so I've heard some of this for the first time. It makes me laugh. I may not be good, but at least I got guts. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. <laughs> Producer's having a bit of the meltdown now because he's been eating the popcorn, and I've told him it's mojito flavour. He's going, oh, I feel very well. He's a, he's a real wuss. I mean, he really is. I was telling him this morning, because he has, he has a list of ladies that, uh, that he likes. And, of course, top of the list is Laura Whitmore. And I've said to him, listen, there is no chance that Laura Whitmore is ever going to notice you. She's, she's, a sort of, she's an ambitious little so-and-so. And she's only going to be interested if you're famous. That's like, you remember that night that apparently she went back to Leonardo DiCaprio's place? But, of course, you know, compared to all the other girls he picks up, she's actually quite plain. Anyway, the producer likes her a lot, he said. And apparently he, he saw her down at a red carpet thing, for, I think for Suicide Squad. Uh, she's not in the film. She just turns up like a bad penny and sort of wanders down there. They have pit and they go, who is she? And they go, I think she's Laura Whitmore. And they go, what is she? And they go, well, she's unemployed at the moment. And so he likes her a lot. He likes her a lot. He also like. I think he liked Cara Delevingne the other day. I had to point him in the right direction, say she wouldn't be interested in you. You're of the male persuasion. And who was the other one? He likes all, all the types that he can't get hold of. You know, the other one, I, I, it, was, it was the other one. You like that... Um, yeah, Margot Robbie, who's been hanging around with Cara Delevingne a lot, I've noticed. Quite a lot. I'm not reading anything into that. I'm just telling you that, you know, I think you're probably barking up the wrong tree there. But, they, but he has all these girls, and they're obviously on sort of a wish list. You know, you've just said to me you're, being, you're feeling ill, and what are you doing? Putting a, move the popcorn away, OK? Take it out of the equation, because if you sit there, you're just going to reach over and pop another piece in your mouth, because it's addictive, OK? Do you have popcorn in Australia? Do they have popcorn? Over? No, I don't think so. <laughs> or beaches, or intelligent life. <laughs> oh, how many baseball caps do you have? One. Uh, so, anyway, there's you have three. 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 They're very good. Is there a reason for wearing it that way? I would have thought, actually, the whole idea... The reason, you know, you know why, why people wear baseball caps, don't you? You know what the history is? No. It's to keep the sun uh, off that part of your body. Uh, 
You've never heard of it. That's why I put, yeah. But unfortunately, you've sort of opened yourself up to skin cancer, uh, all sorts of illnesses and stuff like that. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to think of you. You know, I don't want you to think that in any way, sh- you know, now that we've swapped phone numbers, you won't believe what I put him down as in my phone. I'm not telling him what it is, but I, at least when he... T- it doesn't matter. No, I'm talking to the audience, not talking to you. And, uh, and so you've got the, his, uh, his number. Because I've actually got so many producers' numbers in here, I have to mark them next to them so I know who it is. Because I've got quite a few people with his name in my book. And so that's so you have to write next to them what they do. You know, ex-producer, producer at Sky, theatre, what, you know, whatever it happens to be. Because it's ridiculous. I don't even know how many numbers I've got in my book. I did go through it a short while ago thinking, can I start deleting numbers? And the answer is I can't. Because do you delete numbers? But no, I know I can delete numbers, but I can't delete them because I speak to these people. You know, most of the time. So, I mean, um, it it just... Oh, go away. It just seems to me that I've got so many different numbers in here. And you think, do you use them all? And the answer is yes. How many numbers? I don't know where you find that out. Scroll down to the bottom. What, of all the numbers? All right, OK. OK. And what it doesn't say? What do you mean, scroll down to all the numbers? It doesn't say. Go on to what? On what? Contacts. I'm in. I'm in all contacts. Yeah. Doesn't tell me anything. Does yours tell you? How many have you got in yours? How many? Uh, yeah. How many? Three, four, double no, double seven hundred. Yeah. Oh well. It was useful you joining that Tinder website, wasn't it? Really, I suppose. <laughs> They've got some new friends. I don't know. <laughs> does anybody know? They don't. They just have X's next to them. Uh, does anybody know where you find out how many numbers you've actually got in your book? I've got all sorts of people in here. Seriously, I'm just <laughs> Stuart the fish. I've got in here. My accountant. I've got also. I've got so many people. Sean Bolger, uh, Scott, Sam. Oh, so a policeman that I met uh, when I was doing jury service. Russell Grant, Roger Black, Roger Foss, Rupert Bartier, all sorts of people. Richard and Judy, Rick Kelsey, RAC Rescue, always very important, I always think. Very important. It's funny, but I don't know where you find out how many numbers you've got in there. So if anybody can tell me on an Apple phone where you find that out, I would be very grateful this morning. Uh, plus, we take all your texts and your emails, 84850 uk, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put... You know, everything in the programme. Uh, any advice for jet lag, says Joe. No, try and um, try and sleep. That's actually quite, uh, quite, quite difficult, isn't it? I don't know what the answer to jet lag is. I really don't know what the answer to jet lag is. Um, I, it used to be... What were those tablets? I used to take them. I, I, I did suffer from jet lag, but I don't. I discover you don't if you don't actually travel on planes very often. <laughs> so that's fairly good, isn't it? But uh, today I'm going to have a lazy day. I was, hilariously, going to be going to a, to a movie. And I only tell you this because it just goes to prove that uh, even people in the film industry are not exactly the brainiest people. And, um, and so I was going to be going to see this film to do an interview with somebody because nowadays they have a, a system. Years ago, and still nowadays you can get it from, from the really good companies, they will send you what they call a screener link. 
So in other words, it saves me having to trek across London to go and sit in a screening room where all they've got to do, I can, I can watch it at home or watch it on my phone. They send me a link and I click on it and you put in a, a code and then you can watch bits of the film or you can watch the whole film in many, in many instances. This particular one, you couldn't. They wanted me to go to the screener. And uh, then at the last minute they came back and they go, we wanted to see the audience figures. Well, as I'm the brand leader, you know, and, and you would, if, if you were in the radio industry, you would know that. But uh, they appeared not to know that. So they wanted to see the audience figures. So basically I've said, well, I don't want to do your interview. Thank you very much. And listen, good enough for, for loads of Hollywood A-list celebrities like the Dustin Hoffmans, like Julie Andrews and people like that. But uh, not good enough for some little person, a PR exec junior in a film company who doesn't know anything about, uh, about the station or about the programme. So uh, I've told him to stick it. I felt quite good doing that, actually, because I thought, listen, you need us. More than we need you. Uh, Steve, and uh, Carla says, uh, uh, Mr. Producer will do very well having you as his carer. No, we, we get on fine. Seriously, we get on fine. We get on really well. He's sort of, you know... Yeah, she said breakdown. As his... Yeah, well, I didn't read the breakdown bit because I thought she'd just broken down in the car, maybe had a flat tyre or something. Something like that. He la- Listen, whenever he's with me, he laughs. There's some presenters he's with, he doesn't laugh. You know, so I think that's 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 a sign of a good bonding, isn't it? I'm saying this because it makes him feel better, and uh, and that's how it goes, isn't it? You know, if you can make somebody laugh, are you? <laughs> Listen, where else would you be working at this time of the morning? You wouldn't. You'd be flipping burgers somewhere. Come on, this is this is a lot better. It pays a lot better, and it's more fun. Where you know, a baby, you know, oh come on, Mike, can we have another double cheeseburger, mate? You know, and it, <laughs> put the onions on a bit of cheese and all the rest of it. Very important job for a bit. Well, of course, you'd be eating most of it, wouldn't you, really? A little chip for me. Actually, I watched a pro. Oh, I must do the news. But I must tell you about this programme I watched. It's called Dinner Dates. And it's where one girl... I think they, they do the boy version, but it's a girl. And she goes around to three men's houses. They actually cook a dinner for her. And then she decides, based on the dinner and the conversation, whether she wants to go on a date. And um, so I'll tell you about that in a moment. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. He's broken my phone. I don't want to make a big deal about it, but I just want it on record. He's broken it. Apparently, everybody else, you can see how many how many phone uh, contacts you've got, except on mine, because he's broken it. Uh, so, um, any any more advice for uh, for people suffering from jet lag? As I say, don't fly in the first place would be my would be my advice. Uh, press phone, then contacts at the bottom. They scroll to the very bottom. It's the last thing on your screen. No, it doesn't. That's not there. Seriously, push the phone. Wait a minute. So press phone, then contacts. Ah, wait a minute. Contact, yeah. And then then scroll to the very bottom. It's the last thing on the screen. Well, it's not. I mean, it's absolutely not. I wish it was. I know I've got no name on here. I've got no... Oh, take that, uh, take that out of the equation. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I thought it should be fairly easy to do, but it's not. Anyway, so it doesn't matter. I'll just tell you now. Thousands. OK, that's, that's all the matter. He's, if he's got 700, I've probably got about six, 7,000 phone numbers on there. Because you collect them over the years. I've got all sorts of people, famous people and other, and other otherwise. <laughs> Either way, it, it is quite useful, but I, I, have to, um, I have to actually sort of keep checking it every so often because I've bought extra storage space. I've bought an extra, I forget how many gigabytes, for 79p a month. I've bought loads from, from Apple, so... Um, so I'm never going to fill up the phone. 
It's like here. I was, I, was, I was testing the other day on my emails. And normally on the last system we had, we used to get, um, you know, when you actually get to a certain number, you had to start deleting because the system couldn't, couldn't handle it. And uh, now I've realised I've got 15,000 on, uh, on the inbox on the inbox. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Some poor little creature says you get paid for this show. <sighs> wheelbarrows. Wheelbarrows, sunshine. Absolute wheelbarrows. And uh, Steve, I can't believe, says Ben, how cinemas get away with charging so much for refreshments. I was running late for the last film, went in and ended up paying £10 for some popcorn and a drink. That's about quite normal, isn't it? I see the popcorn being delivered here in Leicester Square. And... Um, a, a lot, a lot, actually. And I think if you... I mean, I don't know how much popcorn is now, but people have these giant... You're still eating it, aren't you? You're still eating it. Having told me it's making you sick, you're still eating it. Leave it alone. You're so weak. I'm, I'm not surprised you're Aries, actually, because that's the weak personality, isn't it? That's the, you know, I can't control my addiction kind of thing. That's just why we don't get on. And because uh, I'm very much in control. <coughs> Cooking with gas. This morning. Uh, so, Plod Save the Queen is the story running on a few of the papers today. This is how many people are breaking into Buckingham Palace, seemingly on a regular basis. Uh, three palace break-ins, but there's one bloke, he's six foot nine. He's not going to be difficult to find, is he, really? Well, you would have thought so. Uh, also, they've got Cory Rover won't return. Uh, the next high-profile death will not be a cast member, but Marie Connor's dog. As I don't know who Marie Connor is, and I've never seen the dog before, Black, Black Labrador Aussie will meet his maker in scenes that will devastate his hairdresser owner and fans. It's only acting. Do you think people are seriously going to be writing, I can't believe it, Ozzy's gone, I can't believe it. Whereas, in fact, it's just a, it's just a cheap cast member. And um, uh, you make me laugh, says Francesco, when you talk about Sarah Ferguson and her daughters being, uh, being bone idle. And uh, and unattractive. Oh, it is, seriously. It's like Cinderella, isn't it? Only there is no Cinderella. There's just the ugly sisters. But when you think about it, what does Prince Andrew actually do for a living? Hangs around with the wrong people. That's what Prince Andrew does. Oh, the daughters are bone idle. Really amazing. Quite right about Cary Grant. Old news, says Paul in Manchesterford. There were two great books you mentioned ages ago called Hollywood Babylon by Kenneth Anger, which describes the Hollywood casting couch and the various scandals. Still listening via podcast every day. Yeah, you, you must get the book as well. It's called The Casting Couch, and I can't remember who wrote it, but I bought a copy on Amazon. Oh, what's the name? It's a very unusual sort of name. Producer will find it for me in a minute. It's called The Casting Couch. And it, it literally lists all those in Hollywood who went through the casting couch system. Um, and the system being, if they bedded you, you managed to get a job in the movies. If you were any good, uh, then, uh, then you survived a little, a little way into it. But I suppose the most famous one would be... Here we go. The casting couch. No, it's, it's a book. It's a book. Uh, casting couch book. And it's by... Oh, who is it? Wait a minute. Casting couch. Selwyn, Selwyn Ford, I think it is. And uh, you can buy it. It's, it's very interesting, actually. And it's from Amazon's bookstore. So you can find it. It's probably not very expensive. But it's literally got all the people who went through the casting couch. And uh, Joan Crawford, as everybody knows. That's it. That's it. Making it in Hollywood. Oh, it's, it's how interesting. People who bought that book also bought my book. 
How interesting. <laughs> Incidentally, thanking for, thank you for, uh, for making it sell so many. We've done very well. Out of all the books that we did on LBC, I kind of did the best, which was nice. So thank you for that. Did I get a review on it? Did I get, go down, to down, to down, to down, to down, to down? There you go. I got four and a half stars, three, three and a half stars. That's 73 ratings. But as I say, the amount that we've sold... I can't complain. Thank you very much indeed. But uh, it's quite thrown me, actually. What was I going to tell you? I was going to tell you something about it. Oh, that's right. Joan Crawford. And in fact, this is, a, this is a, not even an apocryphal story. Steven Spielberg, as a very young producer, uh, was sent round to her house. I think they knew what she would do because she would open the door and she opened the door to him wearing a completely transparent negligee with nothing underneath. That was what she, that's what she did. She had to bed her producers. He very wisely made his excuses and left. But uh, she made pornographic movies before she hit the big time as Joan Crawford. And uh, as I say, so many of them did. So many people did in those days. It's, it's, it's not the way that it goes. No, I, uh, Steve, I've seen your friend Grant Bovey, says Johnny, giving relationship advice on this morning. Oh, his career's finished. I wouldn't take any advice from Grant Bovey. Thank you very much indeed. Definitely not. And uh, I went through all the roadworks, says Mike and Ash did, Twickenham to Camberley. There was a car on the outside lane doing 40 with a mile of traffic behind it while myself and the lorries cruised past in the near side lane. Is there a law saying you have to stay in the outside lane? I don't know. I'm not very good at things like that. I'm, I mean, I'm really not very good at things like that. Anyway, so I watched this programme yesterday on the television. Is that that ugly murderer? That's that murderer of that, uh, of that Muslim shopkeeper. What a disgusting piece of filth. And with family to match. Hope the police have made a mental note of them. They seem to advocate murder. Ghastly, honestly, these people. And 27 years in prison. Thank God. I hope he dies in there. I hope he dies in there. Anyway, so I'm watching this programme. And I think it, it could be called Dinner Dates. And it's, it's a very simple premise. It's very cheap to make, as you can tell. And they have one girl who can't get a date. And three fellows who also can't get dates. And she looks at their menus. And she picks out these three people. And she goes round to the house. And she... Um, and then she decides at the end which one she wants to go on a date with. The other two get rejected out of hand and they eat spaghetti bolognese. So I'm watching this girl and she's an American and she's quite sort of, uh, quite sort of feisty and up for it. And anyway, she goes round to these three blokes' houses. Well, I've never seen such tatty houses in my entire life. Seriously, one of them, like, OK, oh, you know, obviously went to really good school, like, you know, like... Uh, and he said, what did he think? She had a banging chassis, he said. That was one of the expressions. He was rather peculiar. And um, and he lived in this dump of a place. I mean, seriously, I've seen better squats. Second one she goes round to was equally peculiar. With again another one, they live in the grottiest of places. I was amazed she wanted to go in any. They looked as though they were hygiene risks. And anyway, she picked out the first one. The last one I thought was the one she would have liked because he had the most personality. The first one she was obviously looking for a relationship. They'd been out twice. The other two blokes are still single, and I'm not surprised because one of them he started eating off her plate. Now, there's one thing, if you're going on a date with somebody, you don't, he had a huge fork, it was about two foot long, and he leant over, he said, are you not eating the, uh, the rocket? He just arranged some rocket, well, he'd thrown some rocket on a plate, it was the chronic, worst meal I've ever seen in my life. And, um, and so she said, no, she said, I'm not huge, I'm in rocket. And he, so he leant over with his, with his fork, and he starts eating her food. Really disgusting, I'm not at all surprised she never picked him, but the last one I thought was the funniest. And uh, he seemed to have a bit of personality. Admittedly, he looked at his hair and you think you're going to be bald in about six months' time, you know, which is, which is, which is a worry for most people. And then the, uh, it was the first one she went for, who was possibly the dreariest. I mean, his food looked a bit chronically bad. 
They didn't. Say, they don't seem to be able to cook these people at all. And also, his his little flat was disgusting. I mean, seriously, I felt a bit sorry for him. He obviously wasn't particularly successful in any way, shape, or form. You want to know the weather, don't you? Bright start to the day, but it's chilly at the moment. Chilly outside. Cloud and oh, cloud and rain later. Well, shan't bother getting the car done. It's got to go in for a service. The car. Got to take the car in for a service, which uh, is apparently four hundred and something pounds. And then there's VAT. But the good thing is they give you a courtesy car. Never the sort of car that you're driving, but it's a courtesy car nevertheless. Uh, tonight, cloudy with outbreaks of light rain at times. Westerly breeze developing later in the night. Lows 15 centigrade. The high 19 today. So it's definitely getting colder. Definitely. And uh, Dion says, I remember going to the Saturday morning cinema in Rainer's Lane when I was a kid. We had a popcorn called Butterkist. Yeah, you bought that at the cinema, did you? I didn't think they sold Butterkist at the cinema. That was quite nice. That was sort of popcorn with a buttery covering on it, a bit like sort of toffee popcorn which is quite nice. Why don't they do normal things like slush puppy which is quite nice isn't it? Things like that. But they, they sell popcorn because the profits must be huge on it and then you get huge drinks. In my day it was just a Kiora and a bar of chocolate now it's hot dogs. I mean who seriously sits in a cinema with a hot dog? You know you think a portion of chips would be better but they just get dirtier and dirtier these, these places don't they? Not really very exciting at all. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, another one here. Let me just sort of quickly do that and that and then push that. And then I can find out where we've got to today. A lot of people offering advice on jet lag. Again, mainly the same uh, advice that I was offering, which is uh, which don't, don't fly and then you don't get it. What does Prince Edward do for a living? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, he doesn't have a company anymore, does he? There again, there's not many of the royal family who actually do anything. Prince Charles, you know, has, has the, the duchy bits, which he's still got left. And I don't sort of... I can't think... We, we, we don't know what Prince Andrew does. He flies helicopters and is bone idle. His wife is uh, apparently an entrepreneur. Hilarious. And the two daughters really don't do anything at all. They've learned how to play the system. Uh, I think eventually we'll, we'll probably just get rid of ditching them completely because they're, they're just vacuous. But uh, funny that there are pictures in the papers today of, uh, of one of the, the girls, one who's just finished with her boyfriend, Dave, and uh, she's sitting with a multimillionaire now. And she's obviously, they're obviously, their father said, listen, hang around with people who are rich. That's what Sarah Ferguson does. She hangs around with rich people who sort of fate her, so she doesn't really have to do anything very much at all. Uh, I found it. I found it. Phone. Then contacts, wait a minute, here we go, wait a minute, I'm going to do this. So phone, contacts, contacts, OK, we've done contacts. And then go to the bottom of your contacts, OK, done the bottom of the contacts. And then touch the hash key. I don't have a hash key. I don't have a hash Where have you got a hash key? I don't have a hash key on this phone here. On the right-hand side, below the A, is it... No. Oh, there! Yeah, I see it. Hash key. Oh, no, wait a minute. No, it doesn't do anything at all. Don't know why. And then it's... Uh, scroll up to the last one. It says how many contacts you've got. Well, I'm touching the hash key. That's not doing anything. And then you go all the way to the top, and nothing. Nothing at all. Useless phone. Useless phone, isn't it? I've, it's, it's a lot, anyway. Whatever I've got, it's, it's a huge amount. I'm just sort of... So angry when I get so cross when I can't do things, and also when sort of people come in and go, "Oh, don't worry, I can do that for you," and they come in here and they're even worse than I am. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Twelve minutes to five is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This is where uh, the country comes out to play at this time of the morning, and uh, the reason we know that 
It's because we've just had the audience figures again. So up again, which is quite nice. I still cannot get the iPhone. Ca- I must have done something to it that uh, means that I can't, I can't find out. Such a shame, actually. But it's a lot. Whatever it is, it's a lot, OK? It's as simple as that. It's, sorry, what? Yeah, the letters are massive. You think, well, the letters, because... Oh, right, because I've got such big right. Oh, right. Oh, you, th- oh you, you might be right, actually, on that. You might be right. I don't care. And um, Suzanne says, poor old Grant Bobby's looking quite old and frail. Well, he's old. I don't know whether he's frail or not. I know he's bankrupt. I know he's bankrupt. But uh, Helen... Helen Skelton, the ex-Blue Peter uh, nobody, who was quite average on Blue Peter. Then they put her on Country File. Apparently they might be putting her on Strictly Come Dancing, so she's obviously their new favourite. And she's hired a stylist now. Uh, They said she's vowed to carry on wearing sexy outfits. Unfortunately, sexy is the last thing she is. She's there to be a presenter. You're not paid to be sexy or anything like that. You're just paid to present something. Not really interested in what, what you're wearing. And if you really think that people are concentrating on that, you need to go and find another job. And you need to find it fairly quickly. Rebecca Adlington has been accused of swearing at Mark Foster when he talked about her only getting uh, bronze. And uh, as I said, I don't know what they've used her for. She can't get arrested for anything, can she now? Poor old soul. Best she can manage. And uh, Daly did it for his father. There were two people, incidentally, I should point out, in the synchronised diving, and that was Tom Daly and Dan. Okay, Dan was the other one. He didn't get hardly any coverage, and his mum's a little bit upset, a little bit upset. And um, and I, I think, really, we should acknowledge the fact that there were two of them. Much as though, i tell you what I learned, though. I learned that uh, Tom Daly is, uh, is teetotal. He doesn't drink. He's teetotal. Amazing. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, go to contacts, click on the groups on top left, tick off all the groups, tick on again, go to bottom. Hey, presto. Yeah, and they probably all vanish completely before my eyes. Apparently, um, Simon says Prince Edward uh, runs the Duke of Edinburgh's award. Took over from his father. Does he really? Good Lord. Simon's got an OBE. That's a bit posh, isn't it? How do you get an OBE? I want one. I want an OBE. Where'd you get them? I talked to a lovely lady yesterday who's going to be on In Conversation uh, this weekend. And that's Beverly Knight, who's lovely. Absolutely lovely. Big LBC fan. So that's even nicer. So she'll be with us on Sunday morning and Saturday morning, I know. I still want to know how on earth Simon got his OBE. Because uh, Beverly Knight's got an OBE as well. Uh, more of your texts and uh, emails in a moment. Plus, um, I'm going to read... i got time to do this. I might have to do it there. No, I'll do it now, actually. This is Jane Moore's column. She talks about um, on reports varying on Princess Beatrice and Dave, you know, not even David, I'm afraid, who have decided to go their separate ways. One theory is that, tired of waiting for him to propose, she issued an ultimatum. Uh-oh, risky business. Either it works and they come running back on bended knee, or they've met somebody else and you've lost them for good. Still, if marriage is what you want, better to have loved and lost than to be one of those people at parties who smiles bitterly every time their notoriously slippery long-term partner says, we don't need marriage to confirm our love for each other. Well, she's pictured in the papers with a multimillionaire. He's the son of somebody who's terribly, terribly rich. But as I say, as she's the plainest member of the royal family, Lord knows she must have to play on her title every single stretch of the way. However, the, uh, the one channel the heartwarming sight of high-achieving young people displaying the talent and skills they've spent years honing via relentless practices, huge sacrifice and admirable strength of character. On another channel, there's a group of, listen carefully, 
pathetic underachievers displaying gross ignorance and an absence of any discernible talent whatsoever honed via no effort at anything beyond preening themselves, relentless self-obsession and a weakness of character which prompts them to display overblown emotional incontinence at the first sign of trouble. Yes, folks, it's our young Olympians versus the Olympic morons in the Celebrity Big Brother house. But first, heartfelt congratulations to Adam Peaty, Tom Daly, Daniel Goodfellow and Jazz Carlin and all the other fine Team GB athletes. We salute you. However, over in the, uh, the Big Brother house, the occupants are yet another worrying example of how reality television is continuing to champion and cynically milk those whose mental well-being is at best fragile, at worst, off-the-scale dangerous. Any sane adult who feels compelled to watch invariably does so with detaste and horror, perhaps finding it a useful tool to make themselves feel better about their own life. But it's the younger generation of viewers that worries me, those who witness ignorance and bad behaviour, having rewarded with a primetime TV slot and consequently the financial spoils that go with it. They aspire to do the same. Bear, Lewis, Heavy D and Marnie collectively possess the IQ of Joey Essex. Yep, that thick. They like to think of themselves as strong characters who don't take that from anybody. But the depressing reality is that they're weak, relentlessly self-obsessed and have Van Gogh's ear for everybody's opinion but their own. They simply talk loudly and vacuously in their either uh, to, in, in their in the ether, loving the sound of their own voice and trampling underfoot the viewpoint of anybody else. Most worryingly are the disturbing combustible going on from naught to 60 on the rage meter, even over the slightest provocation. They are life's lowlifes. They are the pathetic. They are those from the gutter that we've scraped up. I'm afraid there's nothing to them at all. And of course, it makes it all the worse when you get Sarah Khan kicked out, mainly because the public don't like her. Neither a strong person, but a terribly weak person. Re weak, weak, weak beyond all belief, and yet she sat there with a straight face going, of course I'm a very strong woman. No, you're not, dear. You've bent over and taken the golden shilling. You're as bad as the rest of them. You were as weak and as pathetic. And as I say, if loose women is any representation of God knows whatever is healthy in this day and age, I find it deeply depressing that nobody mentioned to Katie Price the foul outburst she had in front of children, using every four-letter word under the sun. But there again, as she teaches them to Harvey on a regular basis... I'm not at all surprised. But not once did they mention it. Funny that, isn't it? I wanted somebody with a bit of guts up there to actually say something, but they don't. They don't. They seem to protect their own. And uh, I've just read Ofcom received more complaints, says Natalie, over Big Brother's antics regarding nudity. Why do people bother watching? Well, they're hoping that somebody's going to be killed. I mean, quite clearly, why don't they just give them all guns and see what happens? Make it marginally more entertaining. You know, here's a load of guns. Two of them have got bullets. OK, what are you going to do? Because watching these pathetic people, I mean, watching Heavy D, what a pathetic waste of space. Watching poor old Lewis the Boar, a man whose only ambition and it seems talent is just sit on his fat bum uh, or roll around with some old scrubber on television. And that's putting it nicely. That's putting it nicely. I'll have sex on television, she says. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming when she comes out, she'll be advertising in a phone box and have a little picture of herself. Ridiculous. Uh, Simon. Oh, down, 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 down. Thank you. Now, see, I like to know these things. You know, when people are given these, that's why I like to know. I like to know, actually. And, uh, oh, you didn't do badly, did you, actually? Down, 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 down. I bet you could tell me some stories, Simon, couldn't you? You won't, of course, but I bet you could. I always like things like that. I always laugh at stuff, you know, when, because uh, I know a lot of people who've got uh, awards, damehoods and the like. And I think that's quite, I think that's quite nice, actually. 
somebody gets something like that. And you did do very well. Very well. Uh, more of your texts and uh, emails. Nice to know you're very quick to respond. Uh, Bob in what I'm not I'm not doing this uh, this this contact thing. Steve, delete all contacts. It then asks if you're sure you want to delete seven thousand contacts. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> honestly. I think it's what the producer said. One of the rare occasions that I might actually have taken on board. I think it's because the font that I have is bigger than most people's. In fact, when I show it to people, they go, "What size writing have you got on your phone?" And I go, "Well." That's the size writing that, that sort of it appeals to me. It's on all my texts and everything else. And I, uh, I quite like it. I feel a bit guilty, actually, now, because you're all going to be going, just how big is that writing? And the answer is it's, um, it's, it's fairly big, fairly big, the writing. And um, a lot of people commenting on my journey into work again. It's what they call a programme filler now. When you walk in, and I, I was in such a bad mood, such a bad mood, because somebody didn't have the intelligence to actually... You know, they just go, oh, I'm just reading a, a sat-nav. <laughs> oh, my God. You don't even know London. What's the point? Uh, and then the Duke of Westminster, only 64. Now, I think he fell ill the other day and he died yesterday. And I think it's his son, Hugh, who inherits. Doesn't go to the girls in the family. Only goes to uh, the boys. Only goes to the boys. And, uh, Steve, the number of contacts has been removed from iOS 9, either on purpose or it's a bug. You don't get bugs on phone. I've never had a bug on this phone at all. I don't get a bug on my computer at home. get nothing like that. Don't do uh, anything. Uh, it's Patrick who thinks that uh, the Duke of Westminster, with the, I think he's the third richest man in the country, which means he's got a fortune of, I think, 8.3 billion. But it's, it's what they call a business. It's a business. So whilst you might be going, oh, I will mind some of that money. You know, will he give it to the poor? No, it doesn't. It's not actually liquid cash. He owns, I think, something like 180 acres of prime Belgravia real estate. He owns, I believe he owns the flat that, uh, that Darren's in as well. That's what the producer told me. But he might, might have been just troublemaking, you know, just in case Darren got a bit worried that he was going to get an eviction notice put on the door. By six o'clock, you know, or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. It's unlikely. But he, he owns lots of real estate. And so that's what it's all tied up in. He's very good friends with the Queen. They've sent messages of sympathy. Uh, he's he's that well connected, being the Duke of Westminster, that uh, the Queen went to his daughter's wedding. It's like that. They're, they're those sort of people. So uh, and he was always lovely. I've, I never found anything the matter with him at all. You know, I don't have any problem with people like that. It's inherited money for the years and years. And that's what you do. You sort of inherit it. And his son won't be thinking, oh, good, I can go out and buy a brand new Rolls Royce Phantom or something. They don't think like that. They just have all that money and they put it to to good use. But it's a business. It's a very successful business. And his son, Hugh, will be doing it in preparation for his children, who will then inherit on the male side. That's that's the way it works. The 90 degree heat wave, 90 degree heat wave to roast Britain. Sounds ghastly, doesn't it? Uh, The burglar who breaks into somebody's house, holds a knife to the throat of the bloke whose house it is, who said, get out, and the burglar comes up with all various things. The burglar then leaves the house. Something happens, he hits his head or so, whatever it is, I don't know. And uh, the police come round to arrest the bloke because they think he's assaulted the burglar. Fantastic, isn't it? What a great country we live in. Fantastic. Let's protect the burglars. We've already got two um, hammer murderers in the country. We can't get rid of them. They, they, one of them is going to get compensation. Hammer murderers. Fantastic, honestly. Just gets better and better, this place, doesn't it? Oh, dear. Where's the coach? Where's the coach? We all need to get on it and leave very quickly. News at five is next. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. 
Morning, everybody. It's coming up to four minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. Yes, the award-winning programme. The award... Oh, it really is ridiculous. We might have to build another shelf in the studio to put awards on now. And uh, with an ever-growing audience, bigger than last time, in fact, bigger than ever before, I think occasionally we blow our own trumpet and it works very well indeed. So Will Young waltzes his way onto Strictly. But let's face it, he doesn't actually have anything else in the book, does he? He doesn't have a recording contract. Um, I think now nobody's going to take him. It's like Peter Andre. You know, occasionally Pete will do one of his little shows, but because he hasn't really been in the limelight for ages, I mean, he's only advertising yoghurt on television, and uh, he's disappeared, so nobody's going to take him seriously. And Will Young's recording career finished a long time ago, and yet the funny thing is, I like his music. I just think you have to keep up to date with everything and do it. But I did laugh yesterday. Yorgi Porter, well-known talentless has-been, uh, advertising on television. I did tweet about it. I said, what, what, what is she advertising? She sits there. Would it be makeup? Would it be hair colouring? Fantastic clothes? Spot cream. Spot cream. Fantastic. I did right. Way to go, girl. Career going really well. And that's the best she can get. And, of course, because she's not great looking... You know, she's not... You can stick somebody in a thing with your boobs hanging out and, you know, everything else on display. And uh, people go, oh, she's a babe. It's like that disgusting woman who had sex on, on the Love Island. And they're calling her, you know, a babe and all this kind of... The star of Love Island. Ugh, a tramp. A tramp of the first order. Dreadful. Uh, Bobby Walthamster... Yeah, this iPhone I'm giving up with, I've decided. I've decided I've had enough of it. I don't care. And uh, it's it's interesting that uh, we managed to get loads of people offering me advice and uh, loads of people saying, just leave it alone, Steve. Please leave it alone. You're quite right, actually. Uh, Patrick and Sheen, thank you. He said, it worked for me. I'm going to you know, try going to the phone, then go to the keypad and press and hold the hash button for the second, then go to contacts and the number will be displayed. Right, here we go. This is the last one I'm trying, I've decided. Go to phone. Oh, where, where's phone gone? Phone's phone. Oh, there's phone. OK. Go to phone. Go to the keypad. OK, press and hold the hash button for a second. No, that doesn't make any difference. At, wait a minute. Scroll to the bottom and the number will be... There is no bottom. There is no bottom at all. It doesn't say that. Just, this is ridiculous, isn't it? I might as well just throw it in the air and go seven. And take it like that. I don't care anymore. I really don't care. Um, so what did we watch yesterday the other day? Oh, yes. So having seen poor old Yorgi Porter advertising spot cream on the television, I thought that was kind of just plumbing the depths. I thought, you know, obviously there's just no work in the diary whatsoever. And then I thought maybe she better do a, a reality show, perhaps like Celebrity Non-Entity. That's what they should call it, Celebrity Non-Entity. Because poor old Grant Bovey, as I say, an old has-been of the First Order. The trouble is he's not actually been anything. Dumped his wife, went out with Anthea Turner... And uh, and then they both started sort of behaving, you know, in a way that they thought was appropriate, but it didn't work at all. So he goes bankrupt. Uh, somebody says, I'll drive the coach all aboard. It is ridiculous, isn't it, that we get people in this country now, mass murderers, paedophiles, rapists. One man, a Somalian, who raped two schoolgirls and we can't kick him out because of his human rights. I mean, either I've lost the will to live or I'm, I'm living in the wrong place. Ridiculous. The police have to look after the villains because they're their bread and butter. If there were no lawbreakers, the police would be redundant, says Malcolm. But this bloke, he's, so he's got somebody in his house broken in through the kid's bedroom window. Thankfully, the kids weren't there. And he held a knife to the throat of the bloke whose house it is. And now the bloke had everything taken away. They, they took all his clothes away in the police station. Seven hours he was there. How do you think? I'm sorry. Uh, 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 <laughs> Whose side are the police on in this occasion? Quite clearly... The Englishman's home is not his castle. I bet you today people will be talking about that on LBC. That'll be the thing. Say, what are you supposed to do? 
Somebody's breaking into your house. What do you do? Sort of, you know, drive the car for them so they can take away as much as you want. No, no, no. No, I'm sorry. Definitely not. As I say, we all have to uh, to have our own sort of uh, protection. So we, we've got CCTV at home. I mean, we've got, I think it's between 10 and 15 cameras. And it's all recorded. Everything is recorded. So and it's, and it's uh, 24 hours. So it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, listening in China, I work as a pilot, says Paul. He says, uh, I previously worked for a small airline uh, based in the highlands of Scotland. We often saw the Duke and his wife arrive in their flashy private jet. They were regular visitors to Inverness. Uh, one day the aircraft developed a technical problem, couldn't fly, and we were chartered to fly his wife back to Chester. Very pleasant people. And, um, and uh, she had uh, comments, the wife, as she climbed aboard the hastily tidied up small converted cargo plane. But uh, they got a home safe. She said it's like something out of the last war. How lovely. How lovely. I love that. Pro- we have a programme over here. You probably might have seen it over there. And it's uh, bush pilots. And it's people who fly people about the uh, the bush and the Transvaal and all sorts of places. It's really good, actually. It's quite nice. I often wondered how long it would take to actually learn to fly a plane. You have to do so many hours, don't you? So many hours of uh, flight. I quite fancy that idea. I quite fancy the idea of doing that. Or a helicopter. But then I'm always terrified of helicopters. I don't know why. I feel safer in a light aircraft, and I've been in a few, than I would in a... In a helicopter. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why that is, actually. I've got no idea. I just kind of sort of get a bit freaky in them. A bit freaky. What have we got? Pictures in the paper today in the bizarre column. What is it? It's another press release day. And here is Justin Bieber, this time with his clothes on. Which makes a bit of a change, because the last time we saw him with his clothes off. A little bit messy and untidy, but there you go. And uh, One Direction fans need to brace themselves. Liam Payne has swapped the uh, One Direction pop factory for the small world of grime. Apparently, he's been in recording sessions with garage producer Crunchy. Crunchy. Has he got a name, do you think, or is he called Crunchy? Who's he, he has helped craft explicit hardcore rap tracks with Mobo winners Stormzy and Crepton Conan alongside producing partner Dot. I mean, I ask you, is it a, a world of children, isn't it, really? And uh, or Doolally was out there together with Mike Rurphone. Uh, a source said Crunchy hopes one of the tracks would be Liam's debut solo single. I mean, who's interested? I mean, come on, I'm being brutally honest about it. As One Direction, they were very popular, they were huge, they were amazing, and it was fantastic. Liam Payne. What are they going to call him? Liam Payne. How naff. Bad enough with poor old Cheryl. You know, apparently she's going to do a collaboration with Justin Bieber. I bet she is. I bet she is. I think that career's finished as well. All these people, if you're not out there, listen, if it doesn't work for Will Young, and it doesn't work for a load of other... I mean, Peter Andre doesn't really have a recording career. Who's going to be inviting him on to anything? Answer is nothing. Nobody. Nobody's going to be inviting him on to anything now, because he's sort of... He's now seen as passé. He's 43. 43 and still trying to think that he's a, he's a pop star. He's not. He's not. I hope he saved his money. God, I'd be terrified if he doesn't. Uh, what else we got? Um, oh, the, the, the dad and the, the knife thief. And uh, hundreds of SAS troops spearheading the war on IS under top-secret plans to train Syrian rebel forces. Lovely. That's what I like. That's what I like. I like to see the SAS getting out there. Superman number one comic just sold for £735,000. £735,000 because comic fans will spend the money. They absolutely love it. And also, it wasn't in the best condition. Only got a very lowly, I think, two out of five or something, because it was dog-eared and, you know, the, the colour was still still looking good. But even so, not so great. Not so great. Uh, Sir David Attenborough has travelled the globe, but his dream 
trip is to a place where there are no animals. He wants to visit the heart of the Gobi Desert. He said, I've not been to the middle of the Gobi Desert. There's no animals there at all, which is uh, why I've never been, but I still quite like it. Some good fossils. He likes fossils. He's very big into fossils. I think he's got his uh, a collection as well. Uh, the pop star's grief over Donna's death. This is Cliff Richard and his sister Donna. And she died the other day. He's going to be totally lost. He's got good people around him, so that will, that will help through. Let's face it, he's managed to get through everything in the past few years. This is just one more hurdle for, uh, for Cliff to, uh, to get through. Uh, Steve, it's the bottom of all the names. It's not. It's not. I've looked... Producer thinks that it probably is, but it's too... Um, I've got uh, such big font that it doesn't work. So that's, that's why, actually. I'm not, I'm not clicking on anything else. I've had enough now. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I really, I, seriously, I don't care now. I really don't care. 12 minutes past uh, five. Coming up 13 minutes past five. And uh, pop star Will Young. He's not been a pop star since... I don't know when his last hit was. A long time ago. Uh, he's going to be joining uh, the politician Ed Balls... It's getting a bit desperate, isn't it? No doubt Helen Skelton, when she returns from the Olympics, will be boring the pants off us as the BBC try and find another one. They tried it with the girl on the one show, but she never hit on anything at all, so they've, they've kind of given up with her. Uh, will tweeted, so excited, after Strictly announced he'd be a contestant. He won the Popeye. 2002, that's how long ago. We're going back 14 years. He says, I've been a fan, but the timing's not been right until now. Yeah, well, now's the time we haven't got any work. So, of course, the, the, the time is now right. What work does he have? He's not touring. He doesn't have a, um, a record deal, as far as I know. The last place uh, dropped him. But he said, the dancing I've always done has always been a, with a microphone in hand. You liar. You liar. Don't tell lies, Will, because it's going to come back and bite you on the bum. He says, now there'll be no microphone or band, just me, my partner and the dance floor. You liar. Don't tell lies. He went to arts educational for years. He's been in a string of West End shows. He's been a stalwart of musical theatre. He did at arts educational years of learning to dance. He's well experienced. Don't take the lies from... Perhaps he's, perhaps he's gone gaga. Perhaps he's forgotten arts educational. We haven't. Don't tell lies about it. The only dancing I've ever done has been with a microphone in my hand. You liar. Hate it when people don't tell the truth. What are we supposed to think that this, this dancing ability, which you're going to be demonstrating... He's been in West End musicals. He was in cabaret. He's been in other stuff. He danced at Arts Educational. It was a theatre school for kids like him. Um, the only dance I've ever done was with a microphone. What a load of old cobblers these people come up with, really. Dear me. Oh, not so good, is it? Uh, 84850. Oh, somebody... <laughs> uh, uh, Jack in London says it really well. I don't care. I really don't care. It's now getting on my nerves. Now getting on my nerves. Part of Hitler's desk is up for sale. It was a marble desk. And they've got a little bit of it. And they reckon it'll probably fetch uh, at an auction in Colchester a few hundred quid. It'll, it'll go to, you know, people who like collecting that sort of stuff, even though he was the most revolting man and we're all glad he's dead and should have died a lot, uh, a lot sooner. Uh, things that he had uh, turn out to be worth money. And so they've got two pieces of this desk and this is the piece that's coming up for auction. They think about three to four hundred pounds, but if somebody really wants it... You know, as, and it's not a particularly big piece. You know, you'd think it was a big chunk, but it's uh, it's not really. Uh, John, on the uh, the set of Are You Being Served? Oh, look, Yorgi Porter's in this one, and uh, but she's got a very very minor role. In fact, looking at the cast of the new one-off show, she doesn't even feature. I don't think because it's the, the role is so small. Um, 
because she just plays the older Mr Grace's nurse, I think. But John Chalice says people want these gentle comedies back. Shows like Little Britain are nasty and cruel. And he says, I know a lot of disabled people are upset about the way they're portrayed. They've got uh, Sherry Hewson as Mrs Slocum. John as uh, Boise with David Jason, of course. And um, the other people. They've got some survivors. Mike Berry. Candy Davis, Miss Belfridge, both of whom joined in the 1980s. The other one, uh, Penny Irving, who was Miss Bakewell from 1976 to 79, and Vivian Johnson. Uh, they've got somebody playing John Inman. I don't know why they're bringing it back. I don't know why they want to do these sort of things. Supposedly they've run, run out of ideas, haven't they? Yet another cookery programme. They're going to be doing a Great British Bake Off, this time for children. They're going to be children, because once they've got a format, the BBC stick with it until hell freezes over. And uh, they'll be sort of looking for a presenter on that one. And I think, I think it's the, the, it's the girl, the Asian girl, who won the Bake Off for the first time. I think she's going to be a judge on it, so at least they'll have somebody intelligent on there. Makes a change, doesn't it, really? I'm sick to death of seeing Mel Gidroich. God, blimey, honestly. They kind of scrape the bottle of the bottom of the barrel in every way, shape or form. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Michael says, I really despise reality TV. Well, they are talentless nobodies who think by shouting and, and, uh, and pushing and, and bullying that that gets them. They think that's called personality where they come from. Seriously, it's embarrassing. Lewis the Boar uh, hanging around with that ghastly old tramp from up north from Geordie Shore who's willing to have sex on television if it means she can win a programme. God. I think she's obviously on the wrong programme. Perhaps she'd be better off on Babe Station. Although, actually, once you've seen her face, you suddenly realise Babe is the last thing she is, unless you're thinking about the film about the pig. Um, what have we got here? Oh, the, the story about two in, two in three women at work are sexually harassed. I don't know what sexual harassment means. And I know that might be a sweeping statement. I'm quite well aware of what it means in the literal sense. But, but what is sexual harassment? Is putting your arm on somebody's shoulder construed as sexual harassment? Would that be sexual harassment? You know, quite clearly, if you pat somebody's bottom, that would be sexual harassment. Quite clearly, if you make... What? Quite clearly, if you make suggestions to somebody, that could be seen as sexual harassment. Although, as Nick Ferrari pointed out the other day, we seem to be apologising every step of the way, don't we? I'm terribly sorry I looked at you. Uh, why were you looking at me? I was mentally undressing you, OK? And having seen what's there, I've redressed you again. You know, it's this it's this lack of sense of humour that we seem to have got in this country now. It's a case of, you know, oh, you said this about me, I burst into tears, I was hurt, I've never been so... The amount of rubbish I read in the papers on a daily basis about people who've been terribly hurt. Somebody said, excuse me, would you not mind breastfeeding in the window of Starbucks? <laughs> it's my right. Yes, I'm sure it is, but not in the bloody window. Oh, dear me. It just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? And we can't seem to say anything to anybody. God, that Olympic Stadium. What colour's that water in the Olympic Stadium? It's gone green. Perhaps they put food colouring in it. But look, empty. Look at that stand. All the stands, empty. Hardly worth building it. Nobody's going there. Nobody can afford to... I don't know how much it costs to go to the uh, the Olympics. We get the uh, the track and field, don't we, very, very shortly. And uh, that'll be exciting. Not... Um, so two and three women at work sexually harassed. I suggest that there probably are a number of places where, where people do, do harass people. This report is part of research and it's pestering at different times in their career. A quarter have been the targets of comments about their bodies. The same number have endured the appropriate or inappropriate touching and one in 12 have suffered attempts to kiss them, to kiss them. Think yourself very lucky next door. We've had none of that kind of stuff, have we? None of that can... Imagine, actually, I mean, who in their right mind, seriously, I mean, it's obviously a very naive question, because obviously there must be some people, have tried to kiss somebody. 
at work. Does that mean you sort of put your arm in it, kiss, give me a kiss? I'm going, no, I mean, I don't know who would ever do that. I mean, I thought that would have been a classic case of taking somebody to court. Definitely. Not so good. Uh, EastEnders fans, the biggest date turn-off, and uh, being a fan of EastEnders, is the biggest t- TV turn-off um, for an online dating profile. A poll found 54% of people would put off anything or anyone who followed the BBC soap. Having seen the lack of conversation on this dinner date programme with three people, two of whom are still single, and I wasn't at all surprised, one of them, as I say, eating off his date's plate in this tacky little flat. I mean, seriously, it did look like a squat. And yet one of them was sort of speaking, you know, if they, OK, yeah, you know, wanted to take this sort of girl out. He looked like he'd not been out with girls for quite some time, and if he did, it wouldn't be any longer than one night. That would be about the extent of it. And, uh, oh, don't forget, oh, before I forget, actually, don't forget we have a free... Um, podcast for you up a little... I forgot what it was, actually, just momentarily. It's a free podcast, and it's our look at the world of celebrity. Well, I say celebrity because it's so banded around now, and everybody I've ever spoken to says, you're absolutely right, Steve, you're absolutely right. They're not celebrities, they're just silly little show-offs with no talent. Look at the bloke from Love Island who's on Celebrity Big Brother. I mean, you know, thank God we got rid of Sarah Khan, a more useless person. And, of course, she won't see that. She'll go, because I was a strong person, I'm glad to be out so I can be back with normal people. Insinuating she's either a bone-faced liar and she's never seen the programme before. I suggest she is a liar, actually, because uh, she claimed that her husband had been told he can go and have sex with other women. What a peculiar woman she turned out to be. And she thinks she's strong. She thinks she's strong. No, 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 no. I just couldn't understand why nobody said anything to Katie Price on Loose Women about the foul mouth she's got. Why do they not say something? Are they frightened of her? Answer, yes, they are. They are. That's exactly what it comes down to. You'd have thought, actually, old Gobby Colleen would have said something. Or Street Porter. It'd be very funny to pair Will Young with Tony B. Constrictly, says John the cabbie. Well, you watch, because Will Young can dance. I know, because I've seen him dancing. So he's a liar to say that he's, he's never done it before. He spent years at stage school. And what do they do at stage school? They dance. And you, I've seen him in almost like top hat and tails and that kind of thing, dancing. So, uh, interesting, interesting. Uh, true about the BBC, they've been advised to show diversity that equates to every colour they can find, as long as they speak with an Oxbridge accent. Yes, some of them. I mean, I've, I've noticed, actually, really, that when, when you find them on the BBC and uh, they turn out to be people of colour, they're terribly cultured. Everybody's terribly cultured. It's only when you turn on London Live, you get what I call London Voices. Although, to be honest with you, I can't bear London Live. <laughs> they have some good films on there, but the news output is, uh, is pitifully awful. Uh, Steve, create a hashtag contact name and it will show you how many contacts you have. Oh, I'm going to take myself out and hang myself in a minute. (laughs) And, um, Ben Elton wrote a novel where murders take place on a reality TV show, says John in Witten. That's a good idea, isn't it? I quite like that idea. But that was, that, that was Frankie Boyle. He said what he wanted to see, he said, he said what I'd like to see on Big Brother. It doesn't look like that at all, actually. I can't do the accents, no point in trying. He said, is on the eviction night, he said, the person goes out, they go, and tonight it's Mike. He said, and Mike goes through the door and there's dead silence. And then you hear a single gunshot and a body is dropped into the compound. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Make it marginally more interesting. That's a sort of fun, because they, they do all sorts of cruel things in there. The cruel thing is that they leave them there and they've got no conversation, these people. These people have, I'm, I would talk for the world, but as I pointed out before, not even for a million pounds would I be remotely interested in anything like that. I think you've really got to be scraping the toilet bowl 
to come up with the pond life that's gone in there. I mean, it's just embarrassing, just embarrassing, and of no interest to anybody. I, w- I wouldn't mind if they could string two words together, but their entire conversation appears to revolve around sex and who they've had sex with and who they think they're going to have sex with. Ridiculous. Jeanette says, uh, you're very funny. Thank you. It's so much fun to wake up and hear you on the radio. Well, it's fun to wake up, isn't it, actually, Jeanette? Or oh, Jeanetta. If you weren't waking up, you wouldn't be hearing this programme. You'd be hearing this on a tape loop as you sat on a cloud up there, dressed in white. I've just got this thing, actually, about that when you go to heaven, I'm hoping it's going to be white. And it's all going to be lots of different shapes. And I'll just be another shape up there. But when I saw the film Ghost, when in the end she she saw him, and uh, and that and she cried, and I cried, and I cried, it was all awful. And... Um, and then he sort of walked off into the distance of all these sort of shapes, but there was nothing discernible as a person. And that's what I think it's like. That's what I think it's like. I, mean, I might be completely wrong. Everybody's got an idea of what they think heaven is, shouldn't they? And uh, Will Young said, Greg should go on Big Brother as he's a has-been. Well, he must be feeling a little bit fed up in the fact that he doesn't have a recording contract. I would think that would, uh, that would be fairly annoying. If you see yourself as a singer, but when was the last time you saw him on any programme on the television singing? You, I mean, you don't. You don't see that at all. Uh, 84850, uh, Michael, says, Re your cab experience. My first leaving home was driving one of the first minicabs in 1962, Arundel Cabs Office in Arundel Gardens near Portobello Road. We drove 6pm to 6am. We were the in-cab company of the day, together with well-backed minicabs, the Pioneers. Fisticuffs in Leicester Square with black cabs in the early hours. I drove the uh, gamut from drunk BBC producers, well-known West End actors of the day, and clients from a dominatrix club two doors along. He says, what was your first leaving home job? My first leaving home job. My first leaving home job. I think it would have been in a pub, actually. Well, I mean, unless you sort of... Unless you discount me going to Denmark and attempting to work in Denmark as a... as a... as a, a DJ... In, I don't know why I thought that was going to be a career, but you do when you're young and you're inexperienced. And I went to Denmark and I didn't like it. And I came back and, uh, and then I got a job in a pub. I was working in a pub and living in as well. Tough work living in pubs and working. Really tough. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, and then I got a job in a shop. And then I went to work for John Lewis. And I sold carpets. That was really good, actually, because you didn't have to do anything. You just literally... Somebody came in and said, we'd like to have some hall stairs and landing carpet fitted. And I said, I'll put, it, put somebody in the diary for them to come out and see you. They went in the diary. And then the person came back with the measurements and they did all the working out. I didn't have to do anything at all. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Let me just give you some advice. If you're going to St Ives in Cornwall for your holidays... Uh, there is a situation which they've got at the moment. Uh, it's very lovely. We think it's nice. Uh, tourists are swimming with seals. And, and it looks great. Unfortunately, these seals are fairly big. They, they can be up to 10 feet long. They're seriously quite big. And uh, sailors and fishermen down there have said they're not the cute mammals you think they are. If they feel threatened, they'll bite. And if they bite, they can take a child's arm off. Now, at the moment, there are pictures in the paper of, um, of lots of people swimming with them. And people think you can pat them on the head like they're pets. If they see a hand coming towards them, they're going to think it's food. And they're going to grab it. And if it's a small child, that child will be dragged under the water. And there'll be nothing you can do about it. And so all they can do is, is advise people. Because one day a seal's going to feel trapped and bite. They're massive. 
I mean, the power in their jaws, you've got no idea. They, they, they clamp on. And you've got people, you know, stupid people, swimming around with these seals. There's one man here, he's surrounded by three seals. And, um, I mean, attacks were avoidable as long as people don't invade their space or try and touch them or anything like that. The male grey seals go up to 10 feet and weigh more than 48 stone. Uh, you know, don't even think about touching them. And you look at the stupid people down there and you think, you want to go and swim with dolphins. You know, these are seals. They kill. That's what seals do. What do you think they do? Just swim around, floating around on their back, looking cute. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Woman in the baby today had to lose some weight. Why? Because her son drew her as a blob. Miriam Davis thanked uh, Thomas's brutally honest sketch for transforming her. And now she's, uh, she's gone down to... Um, well, she's lost... She was 20 stone... And now she's down to whatever it is. She's lost a foot. 14 stone by the time she met her husband, Lee. And so instead of fatty feasts, I learnt to cook healthy stew. She comes from uh, Pontypri in South Wales. And she, oh, she joined a company. Oh, there it is. That's all it is. It's a bit of PR puff. It's a load of old garbage, isn't it, really? Uh, young tea drinkers. You know what you prefer? You don't like tea, do you, really? You like it, apparently, green and fruity. You like green tea? See, I don't do fruity teas. I think they're a bit poncy. You know, you go out there, they've got mango infusion, you know, herbal infusion, all that kind of stuff. <sighs> Not for me, mate, I'll tell you. I don't drink builder's tea, I do drink girly tea, but uh, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> I quite like it, actually. It sort of works quite well for me. Here's the, uh, the taxi driver. What an ugly specimen he is. A murder. Ahmed. He laughed as Mr Shah died. What a piece of filth. He butchered a fellow Muslim after accusing him of disrespecting Mohammed. He was defiant as he was jailed. He won't be when he spent 27 years in there, pal. Warped Tanvir Ahmed. He drove 200 miles from Yorkshire to Glasgow and stabbed popular news agent Assad Shah repeatedly in his shop. The uh, the bloody assault spilled out onto the street with Ahmed laughing. As is, what a disgusting piece of work you are. I'm glad you're going to rot in hell. We should take your family there. We've got a piece on the LBC website where the uh, the family they they thought it was funny. This man was butchered. They seriously thought it was funny. They're that sick. They're that sick. It's ridiculous. And then, uh, as he was taken to the cells, he raised a clenched fist and shouted in Arabic, praise for the Prophet Muhammad, there is only one prophet. You're just a common murderer, aren't you? Just a common, common being a very apt description. Ridiculous. I mean, we will not let hate prevail. You can rot in prison, as far as I'm concerned. Jailed for life. The family supported him. Pieces of filth, honestly. It's disgusting, really, isn't it? Absolutely disgusting. In this day and age. God, blimey. Uh, Steve, uh, why don't you open an account with a black cab company? At least that way the driver will know where he's going. Well, I have an account with a company. And um, to be quite honest, it's it's just... It would probably cost more in a black cab, actually. It probably would cost more. Uh, but I... Uh, I mean, th- sometimes they're good. When they're bad, they're terrible. I mean, how can you actually have a driver who admits he doesn't know the area and relies on the sat-nav? I mean, it, it can't be that difficult, can it? You just put in, you know, where I am, and there's me standing by the road, and he just pootles past. Buffoon. Uh, Ruth Langsford. Hope she wasn't on with Katie Price the other day. I'd be very disappointed if she didn't say anything about her filthy language. And uh, she's taking steps to copy Holly Willoughby's outfit of the day. Uh, she's keeping Holly's seat warm on the TV. So this. Oh, that's right. Oh, so that's why. You've got Grant Bovey on with um, oh, Eamon Watts' face. But uh, Ruth says, can't get the hang of this modelling lock. Whole outfit. And then she plugs it. So presumably she got it for free. Otherwise, why would you plug an outfit? Uh, also, it's 90 years since the bra hit our high streets. 90 years. What on earth were people doing before then? And so they've got pictures of the bra going back to uh, 
1889, the first bra came out. Other, up, up until then, I don't know what people used. 1914, 1920s. 1920s was quite sexy. 1930s. The 40s were where people seemed to have all conical-shaped boobs. Which, of course, it was a bit Jean-Paul Gaultier. Uh, in the 1950s, again, it was all very uh, romantic and all very lovely. Uh, the 1960s, that was where we sort of got the Wonder Bra, which was where it sort of lifted. And There used to be an advert on the television. I think it was a Playtex, cross your heart bra, to lift and separate. We don't see bra adverts on the television now, do we? You don't see them as often as we, as we used to. And then the Wonder Bra came out. That's because when you took your bra off, you wonder where they went. The answer is down by your knees. You know, which is where they started off life in the first place. And then they've got bras through the 80s, the 70s. But I think the best ones, the best ones, seriously, look like the 1920s. They were very peekaboo type things. Very peek- but you can read in a lot of the papers today how we celebrate 90 years of the Brazier, which is lovely, actually, isn't it? Really lovely, really lovely. So, and also, poor women have to spend all this money. So for men, you only have to buy pants. You don't have to buy a bra. Well, not some men do have, have to buy bras. But uh, I, I don't personally know any of those. <laughs> not all the time anyway and um and so because they do get man boobs and i suppose in theory you could actually have a a bra made for men whether or not it would it would ever be uh ever be any good i've got no idea because it must be just as just as bad mustn't it really uh front page of the daily star this morning olympic gold for faking it this is rebecca adlington and mark foster i'm telling you he's not remotely why would he be remotely interested in rebecca adlington seriously i mean she's desperate to just get any sort of attention. But Judy James, who's a behavioralist or whatever they call them, has uh, said it's just fake. Well, I always thought Rebecca Adlington was fake anyway. She sold every aspect of her life. Also, the Big Brother acts over live naked sex romps as kids watch the programme. And uh, full frontal nudity. That's, the, uh, that's that old tramp, Marnie, Marnie Simpson. And, uh, and Lewis Ball running starkers from the showers. I mean, it's, you know, they know they're being filmed. So it's done. She's already said that. that that's, that'll be her, her claim to fame. I feel a bit sorry for her, really, because that's, that's the best she can get. She's not going to get it on intelligence, is she? And um, he was sort of in there. Chloe Kahn as well. That's Chloe Mafia as was. Uh, they've sparked calls for the show to be axed because of their sexy antics. Uh, Chloe and Stephen Bear went into the toilet to have sex whilst Marnie and Lewis romped in the shower. Which is a little bit disappointing, isn't it? I mean, you sort of think that's the best that they've got, but they're both as boring as each other. Uh, Samantha Fox tells of Cheetah Dad Agony, which is, uh, again, something a little bit uh, a little <laughs> too much, I think, for us. And um, more on Biggins. Uh, also, Chloe's best pal has denied claims she's a gold digger. No, she's just unattractive. Just unattractive. Harry Amelia. What a girly name, how funny. Told Star Magazine she wanted to show the real Chloe. People think, nobody knows who she is, dear. There's no showing the real Chloe at all. We're not interested in things like that because um, because it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. She's a nobody. She's a nobody. She has no personality. There's no, no talent for doing anything at all. If you think having sex is a talent, well, then you're quite clearly not in the same place as, uh, as everybody else. Uh, Steve, you might have worked in the same place as my dad, Dave. One of his first jobs was in a carpet shop as a fitter at John Lewis. Healers. Yeah, that was Healers in, in Reading, wasn't it? Uh, Steve, love seals, but they're not hamsters. No, and you look at the size of these things and you've got parents standing there. They must be really dumb, these people, because it's only going to take one child and then you'll have all these parents complaining, going, well, they should have put up notices. That's what they're going to be saying. And that there is going to be that, uh, that dreadful scenario because the more these things come in, they're going to be looking for food. 
And, of course, if somebody holds out their hand thinking you can just pat them on the head, think again. Seriously, think again, because they're just get, they're going to take somebody's arm off. And I, I worry about it. These, these seals, even at six foot, they move fast. They move fast. They, 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 can, they, they could grab a child's hand and drag it out to sea faster than they could ever imagine. I mean, I'll just foresee a dreadful accident occurring here. But, of course, you know what the Brits are like on holiday? The chavvies go down there and they go, yeah, let's go swimming with these seals. They're fun, aren't they? I think you think perhaps, you know, they're going to tow you around the harbour or something like that. (sighs) I don't know what you can do about it, can you? I mean, we can only offer the advice. We can only offer the advice on on exactly, you know, what these things could actually uh, do. Myself. And a girlfriend, says Matthew, were living in a bedsit above a branch of Baker's Oven when we were both 18, which was nice for two reasons. One, the place smelt of bacon and bread all day, seven days a week. And as a result, two of the ovens being right under our sleeping part of the bedsit, we never had to put the heating on. The only annoying thing was the freezing cold water coming out of the shower. A bit of a shock when we first moved in. So I worked nights in a supermarket and she worked days as a cashier in a bank. We're now both 35 and married with kids and the bedsits now part of an office block. I know, that's the, that's the funny thing, is it? When you go back and you look at places that you used to stay in as, as bedsits, and I've, I've been back to a few places in and around London and had a look and thought, how on earth did I stay there? But at the time, it was absolutely fine. Uh, Kelly says, uh, I reported my female colleague to HR for trying to kiss me on numerous occasions. Uh, I'm a male. HR brushed it under the carpet and told me to see it as flattery. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's... Mind you, we did have that, didn't we, a short while ago? Was it... It was a girl or a woman who worked in an office and she tried to um, have relations with some poor bloke who worked in the office who wasn't remotely interested and was terrified. And the papers kind of sort of rounded on him going, oh, come on, it was just a bit of fun and a bit of experience. What? I don't think so. Not if you're not interested in something like that. Even if you are interested... You don't care. You never mess about at work, do you? You're not supposed to mess about at work. That would just be absolutely ridiculous. But people do. People do mess about at work. You know, inter-office relationships are quite normal in this day and age. For people to have relationships, sometimes... I mean, I've, I've known quite a few over the years. Not myself personally, but other people. Because you see more of people when you're actually in the office. You see people all the time. So you see the same. So you build up kind of a relationship. And then people say, do you want to come out for a drink? So you go out for a drink and then a gr- drink turns into a meal. And before you know where you are, you're sort of really into the person you're working with. And it's, it's all gone a bit, uh, a bit paired. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, watered the Steve Allen hanging basket earlier this evening, says Sue, who's in Silicon Valley. She said, did I ever tell you a bird laid a small egg in there? They do that, don't they? They do that. They, uh, they like uh, laying eggs in hanging baskets. But every so often, you'd be putting water in there, wouldn't you? And uh, I feel sorry for Denise Van Outen, says somebody. Me too. The fact she's still going. She was another one. Professional dancer, went on Strictly. She was another one. I think she was arts educational. And again, she knows, you know, exactly how to dance. That's what they're taught. So for Will Young to say the only dancing he's ever done, that's a blatant lie. But there again, Will Young conveniently forgets quite a few things, I should imagine. Uh, Denise Van Outen could loose, liven up loose women. Well, they don't. That's the trouble. Not one of them is strong enough to liven it up. And when they get something like ghastly old Jordan and her foul mouth, nobody, nobody takes it a task for it. In front of children, I thought they would have done. Perhaps they'd like to bring their own. They were probably shocked when Harvey came up with the, uh, the four-letter word, which she'd obviously taught him. Because she seemed to come up with this word when she was over on holiday. Disgusting old bag, really. And nobody said a word to her. Small wonder she thinks she's untouchable. Not on this programme. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
Good morning. 12 minutes to six. It's Wednesday, the 10th of August. Here's a dilemma. You go into a cinema and they've got a meal deal on for a family. But this particular family is a single mother and they won't give her the meal deal. She's a single mother with uh, two children. Her name is Emma and she uh, trots off to see the BFG at Cineworld. She tried to buy an advertised £9.99 family meal, but says the cashier told her she didn't qualify as she was not with a second adult. Okay, She claims he told her it was only for families and she wasn't a family because she didn't have a partner with her. Emma had to fork out an extra 15 quid for almost the same food at the cinema in Wandsworth. She comes from Lewisham. She said, I felt like I was being discriminated again. Oh, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it now, Emma. OK, grow up, try and be an adult, OK? You weren't being discriminated against. You can deal with this normally without having little sort of queenie fit. She says, uh, Cineworld says the cashier was correct to refuse the meal deal. A spokesman said it applied to a group of four, a group of four, two adults and two children or one adult and three children if they buy a family ticket for a film. She says, we're aware of the customer's complaint and we will be in touch. That's the trouble, isn't it, really? If they've got a rule, and I know what you're going to say, you're going to say, well, rules are made to be broken, but she wasn't a family. And the only reason she'd have qualified, if this was one adult and three children, she's only got two, so you'd better get yourself pregnant pretty quickly, then you could have the third one, then you get the meal deal, but I doubt you'll be going back there again anyway. And you've got to buy a family ticket for a film, and I bet she didn't buy a family ticket for a film. So in which case, you don't qualify. And they've got rules, so you have to fork out 15 quid. Or failing that, dear, I don't want to point out... Why don't you just go eat somewhere else? Why don't you go in... So did she pay an extra £15? So it was nine ninety nine plus an extra 15 for three of you. Well, I mean, more fool you. I'd have left there and gone outside because you could go to any burger place and go and get, you know, food for the kids. They don't eat much when they're kids. They're only young, her kids. Lillian, somebody called London James... That's the name she's given him, London James. But go and eat somewhere else. So you've spent more than £25, just under 25 quid, for three of you. Good God, woman. Get a brain cell. Go and eat somewhere else. Don't hang around there. That'd be ridiculous. Why would you want to eat in there at that price? Mind you, I feel sorry for a lady called Felicity Cotton. Uh, She goes to Burger King and she paid by debit card for two burgers. She thought she was going to be charged... um, £12.38, £712, because they obviously flipped an extra thing on it. She's uh, waiting for a refund, so of course she's done the queenie fit as well. All that kind of thing, anything. So £700, actually, for two burgers seems quite reasonable. Although, to be honest with you, given the choice, I'd rather go and eat somewhere else, because the quality of burgers is not what it was years ago. It isn't. You you can get much better food, much cheaper. In fact, you can actually go out there and probably make something an awful lot of cheaper. I mean, Emma really should have gone to Byron Burgers if she could have forced her way through the activists on the front door. Because they've all disappeared now, haven't they? Because they suddenly realise that their pictures have been seen on the news and people are going, wait a minute, you're not supposed to be here either, are you? So they have to check it all very, very carefully. Uh, Won't forget my first job. It was in uh, uh, a baker uh, in Foot foot Zone and Belling, I don't know. Uh, My friend got me the job and at the end of the first week, the man says you can't read. So when the internal mail is taken round, you stay here and I'll teach you. Three months later, I became the telex operator. I should be very grateful, says then to Mrs Robinson, who changed my life. Uh, Lizzie Tarbuck could save loose women. No, no, absolutely not. Nobody could save loose women. They're just not strong enough. 
They're not strong. You watch. They're, they're going to end up with this uh, Syra Khan back on there, and she'll be as weak and as pathetic as she was first time round. Seriously, they're just not strong enough, and they should be, because they've got some quite strong characters on, but they're just not allowed to say anything. I mean, it always makes me laugh when quite clearly somebody in the gallery says, apologise, apologise for that. When they had Brit Eklund on talking about smoking drugs and things like that. We just want to say we, we don't endorse that at all. And you think, oh, grow up for God's sake. We're turning into some mamby-pamby country. So far from being strong, they're absolutely not. Also a Hollyoaks actor, Parry Glasspool. He's a bit of an idiot. He's been suspended from Hollyoaks over a, a knife video. Makes you wonder where, where the brain cell is. Looking at him, I shouldn't imagine there is one in the first place. He wields a huge blade and jokes about domestic violence. Pretending to be a jealous woman, warning her man not to look at other girls, he says, I would kill you if you did. With this knife, I know exactly how to. Done it before and I'll do it again. I mean, is, is he really the dumbest person in the world? He was banned for two weeks and fined an undisclosed sum. He's apologised, saying the video is insensitive and inappropriate. Good God in heaven, of course it is. Of course it is. You know, I would... Uh, banned? Listen, they've kicked people off Hollyoaks for being drunks. Hello, Stephanie. And then, you know, and he wields a knife about and they just suspend him for two weeks. And he gets fined and he's, he's, he's given the money to um, a domestic violence unit. But they should kick him off the programme. Absolutely kicked off the... He's, he's quite clearly got thoughts like that in his head, and that's why he's putting it up on the uh, on the internet. Stupid person. Dear me, honestly. Makes you wonder, isn't it? You know, do these people actually get educations, or do they not? And the answer is, in his case, I think he was probably daydreaming. Uh, Will says, I'm strictly in to win. Well, of course you are. You're a dancer. He says, I've always imagined myself on the show, but the timing has not been right. The timing is that he's now got no work in the diary, so presumably he needs to do something. And he says, uh, music is my passion and the dancing I've done has always been with a microphone in hand. You are a liar. A liar. You went to arts educational. You did dance. We've seen you dancing. I don't know why you would sort of think it's ridiculous. Ed Balls is going to be the lineup, and I think it might be uh, Helen Skelton, fresh from her revealing outfits. God, I mean, they get more desperate at the BBC by the day, don't they? And we pay for it. We pay for it. Apparently, she's now got a celebrity stylist. As the producer said... Um, Oh, no, it wasn't, actually. It was a newsreader, actually. It was a newsreader uh, who said, uh, I hope we're not paying for the celebrity stylist. I hope so as well. I hope so. But obviously she's so desperate for some little attention that she's prepared to go all the way. She'll probably go topless by the end of the week, I should imagine, if you play your cards right. It'll be something because she's now on a mission to be in the papers every single day. So they'll be trying to find an outfit, an outfit that will sort of, you know, be revealing. So we'll either have the boobs hanging out on the table or something. And then when she comes back, she'll be invited onto all the chat shows to talk about why she got her boobs out. And the answer is because she's so insecure. Uh, Pauline Cromer says you should go on Loose Women, liven it up. No, the, have you seen the sort of men they invite on there? Real drip. Professor Green. I mean, a man with nothing to say. Seriously, you might as well have talked to a stuffed dummy in the corner. You had nothing to say on Loose Women. And then one of them, I can't remember, it could have been Colleen or somebody rambling through her sort of sort of uh, cigarette-infused brain, going, um, we'd like you to be a loose man. You can come on every so often. Mainly so she can dribble over people. That's what she does. And, and you think to yourself, but he doesn't say anything. He doesn't contribute to anything. He's done, he's done nothing in his life. His credibility went out the window and he did a couple of reality-type programmes. He can't present for Toffee and he doesn't appear to have an opinion. What's the point? Lisa Tarbuck says Mark is far too good for loose women. She's got a, a radio show. Pfft. As far as I'm concerned, there is no other radio shows. Um... 
Uh, Steve, Farrah trousers with flexible waistbands available on eBay for £22.99. I bought something on, um, I think it's called Go Groupie. Really annoyed. Really, really annoyed. Be warned. I bought something. I needed something for uh, for something. And it was an item of jewellery, which was fifteen ninety nine. I obviously didn't fill in exactly the right thing about postage because they very happily deducted fifteen ninety nine this jewellery company, from my PayPal account. And now they won't give it back. And they haven't sent the jewellery. So we're kind of in a catch-22 situation. You know, I get really annoyed with things like that. Just give me my money back because you didn't send the jewellery off. So give me my money back. Apparently you've got to go into disputes procedure. I'm really, really fed up. Really fed up. Here's the pet owner. She's lovely. She's, uh, she's, until he reached, oh, he's 90, her tortoise, this is. And he obviously decided he wanted to escape. And so what he did, he sort of, he hitched a ride on a bin lorry. Ah, oh, he hitched a ride on a bin lorry. I've got, well, he climb up the side of it or something. I don't know. But anyway, uh, she spent hours trawling through a thousand bin bags. Such was the bond that Mrs. Joyner donned protective clothing and began wading through waste in the hunt for Zuma alongside plant staff. To aid the needle in a haystack job, they used a thermal imaging camera to root out the errant tortoise who was probably going, oh, blow, they found me. Anyway, she noticed he was missing on Friday and realised he may have crawled into a rubbish bag. She called Westminster City Council. Officials snapped into action. Oh, God help us, honestly. Small wonder we're in the state we are, isn't it, really? Using satellite tracking technology... To, to locate the refuse truck. In what could only be a tense phone call, Mrs Joyner was told that the lorry had been located just before it reached an incinerator. No! Not roast tortoise, please! Anyway, the vehicle carried ten tonnes of rubbish. Uh, Mrs Joyner suffers from multiple sclerosis. She could trawl through the bin bags in south-east London, the combined heat and power facility. Anyway, speaking after the drama, Mrs Joyner said, thank you, it's never going to be enough, it was amazing. It was blooming expensive, why don't they just give me... Don't you remember in um, One Foot in the Grave, didn't he lose next door's tortoise? So he went out and bought... Was it a budgie? Went out and bought another one, uh, thinking that they wouldn't notice. They came back and went, oh, it looks somewhat different. He went, oh, does it? He said, yeah. And it's changed sex. And I think that would be the case as well of this, um, you know, Zuma's odyssey, uh, really... He sort of spent uh, an afternoon in a bin bag. He was probably quite happy in there. Wouldn't have bothered him, would it? But they used satellite tracking to find out where it was. My God, honestly. It's funny, isn't it? If they think there's a chance of being in the papers, they'll pull all the stops out. It's like the RSPCA will pull all the stops out if they think there's going to be a, a sort of a, you know, a, a camera crew hanging around there. Uh, 84850, uk. And uh, Chris in Brentwood says, I was mucking about on Google Street and was going down Twickenham High Street. Got level with Sandy's, and uh, and then you could go inside it. Of course you can. That's why it's Google Street. Hello, where have you been for the last God knows how many years? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, who would you have on Loose Women? Names? No, I'd axe the program. I'd axe the pro- first one. I'd well, if we were axing people, the first one to get rid of is Janet Street Porter. I mean, she passed her sell by donkeys years ago. You know all that hypocritical stuff about oh, I'd never accept an award. It's outrageous. Oh, an award? Thank you. Dreadful. A bit like Shami Chakrabarti. Ooh ghastly person. Anyway, coming up to the news at uh, six o'clock, Beatrice parties on without her boyfriend. Uh, the RMT pickets the East Coast line. That's the next ones you're going to be suffering as well. Nothing to do with you, but the RMT are determined to make you suffer. They don't seem to care about you, the passengers. And Katie Price slammed over the Harvey rant. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
Morning, everybody. Five past six. It's Wednesday, the 10th of August. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. Don't forget, if you go to the LBC website, you can download the free LBC app. We send a programme to you, and it means you can listen to the station all over the world. We found some more fly tippers. It's an occupational hazard, isn't it, really? Jail for the Dolly Parton fan who blasted out her tunes until 4am. Uh, Princess Beatrice, we think she might have a new boyfriend. That would be the account of getting rid of Dreary Dave. Cary Grant's bisexual secrets are such old news. I'm surprised they've even bothered putting him in the papers. He's been dead for years. Uh, Princess Eugenie is apparently a very modern princess. In other words, she's bone idle and doesn't do anything at all. And proof at last that the Piltdown expert, you need to go back a time for this one, was the hoaxer. An RMT? Not more strikes, please. I love the way that they, they treat passengers with such distaste. They don't seem to like passengers. It's nothing to do with us, what goes on, whether they've got guards opening doors or not, and yet we're the ones who suffer. You know, yesterday, absolute carnage everywhere, with people people trying to get backwards and forwards, and they don't care. They think that we're going to go, yeah, well done you, well done you. We need, we need a guard opening a door. They don't have it on other lines. Why you need it on certain lines? They seem to be a little bit flexible, don't they? However, the Channel 4 survival show contestant who's quit... Yes, this is the programme that nobody's watching, I'm afraid. It's called Eden. And now they're embroiled in a bullying row after life coach, whatever that is. I mean, put it this way, Jeff Brazier's a life coach. I've got no idea what it means. Does that mean they can't sort their own life out, so they've tried to sort your life out? Really, we're we're becoming far too dependent on these people. Uh, Her name is Tara Zielemann. She was forced to quit the show following unbearable pressure from some of her male contestants who branded her a waste of space and lazy. Viewers watched the men humiliate Miss Zielemann as they also privately plotted to starve and abuse other weaker members of the group and create a Lord of the Flies. If you've never read Lord of the Flies, it uh, turns out quite nasty in the end. So anyway, so she sort of quit. She sort of quit. I can't do it. Can't deal with it. So, you know, that's it. Apparently, uh, one here said he was uh, he would prefer to live in the wood and was tired of carrying the weak. And um, and that's it. So she she's quit. And so what they've done is they've sort of got this sort of splinter group, which has gone on. But as I say, as, as nobody's, bless you, as nobody's watching Eden, it doesn't really make the slightest bit of difference. I mean, I don't know if they've done this to try and drum up some sort of interest in the programme, because I think the idea was that you send all these people away and they sort of live, you know, as people did and they're supposed to bond and everything else. But it's just a bunch of show offs. It's another one of these silly showy-offy type programmes where people who want to be on television and, and think they want to be famous uh, go out there and then they quit and then they do this and they breakdowns and, and it just goes on. And so I don't know whether or not they can, they can get rid of these people. All they've said here is, some, one of the men said, the fact of the matter is that Tara is a lazy so-and-so and uh, so they're trying to get her to do something more useful. I think she's a waste of space. I mean... Well, she might be a waste of... As I've never seen the programme, I've got no idea. And so it's trouble in paradise. Eden, they say, does bear a strong resemblance to William Golding's classic novel, Lord of the Flies, which sees this group of schoolboys washed up on a desert island. What they do is they attempt to stick to a democratic system of decision-making, but their community falls apart when the boys divide and the weaker boys live in fear of the stronger pig hunters who eventually murder. And it's 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 quite bad, actually, quite bad. But over here, this is just a bunch of people who want to be on television. You know, we, we've now become so desperate in this country that any old Tom, Dick and Harry can turn up to a thing and the more bizarre and peculiar and bone-idle and rude and vulgar and foul-mouthed you are, the more chance you are you're going to get on the programme. 
which is why Celebrity Big Brother is on there. So they get rid of uh, Sarah Khan, admittedly because she was dull and the public never liked her in the first place. And yet you keep on that revolting Stephen Bear from from Love Island, who frankly can barely string two words together. Some fat bloke from Storage Hunters and a bore from Essex who's as dull as they come. But at least they've done nudity. Thank God for that. That's the nudity which is the saving of the programme. My 9 to 5 life by Eugenie. Yeah, 9 to 5 doing nothing. And here she is. And uh, she says she's got a, a very full-time job. A full-time job doing what, dear? We'd love to know what you do. People are fascinated in this country. I thought you were as bone-idle as your sister, your mother and your father. I've never known a whole family who are bone-idle. Of course, you probably see it as something completely different. And so they've got a... She's in Bazaar. <coughs> Excuse me, magazine. They say she's a very modern princess. It's, it's called spin-doctoring. They've got somebody in for Fergie to try and spin her, to try and you know, get the public to like her, but the public never liked Sarah Ferguson. I don't think they like any of Prince Andrew's, and they certainly didn't like Prince Andrew. Another intruder in the palace grounds, slightly worrying, a drunk spends 14 minutes in the gardens. 14 minutes! That's how easy it is to get in there, and the police, useless. Useless. 14 minutes. So they've had lots of security uh, breaches there. This is a drunken man. This is the third security alert in six months. A 22-year-old man from Croydon. Oh, dear. Breached the outer perimeter of the palace at 4.15am by climbing a fence with motion sensors and security wire. He spent 14 minutes wandering around the gardens before being arrested by royal protection officers who spotted him on TV. Took them 14 minutes. 14 minutes! They must be the slowest protection officers in living memory. Uh, The Queen, of course, was not at home. She's on her annual break in Scotland. No members of the royal family were in residence. Why would they be? They've all got their own places. And um, she's also resisted efforts to place her official residence behind a ring of steel. I don't know, you've got the Prime Minister who's protected by a ring of steel. Obviously, Buckingham Palace, you know, even easier to get into. But they were pretty useless first time round, weren't they? I think the most high profile was uh, was Michael Fagan, who evaded guards to get inside the private chambers. He spent 10 minutes talking to the Queen, sitting on her bed. She's feverishly pushing the alarm button and the police have totally ignored it. Totally ignored it until a servant came in and go, good God, man, what's he doing here? And that was the person who did it. The police, <sighs> another fag, you know, sit down, watch a bit of telly. Probably listen to the radio, I should imagine. Uh, we had a naked paraglider who landed on the uh, palace roof. He was fined and deported. There's one missing at the moment. Six foot nine inches. He dressed up as a soldier. He had a military radio. He sounds like a complete lunatic. A complete lunatic. John Gilliard rammed the palace gates in his car in January of 95. An alternative pop group sparked a security alert after blagging their way into a public area of the palace. Father's rights protesters used a ladder to climb onto the uh, the palace roof. They spent six hours there before being arrested. I don't know why they bother with farmers, uh, father's rights, to be honest with you. Didn't they climb onto Corbyn's house? They said, we're going to take us... A... Let them stay there. Let them stay there. I don't know why we, know. we had somebody on Tower Bridge a while ago and they had to close it all off to traffic. They said, but he might fall. He said, so he falls, he falls. I don't quite understand why we spend so much time mollycoddling these people. He wants to climb onto the roof of the house. Stay there. Stay there, don't disrupt everything. The police have got far better things to do. Far better. Steve, why can't we have loose men? Says Amber. They tried it. It was ghastly. It was absolutely ghastly. They had Jeff Brazier on there. You cannot have people on a programme, you know, based on the fact that they went out with somebody who was a bit thick. 
You know, and that is the claim to fame. That is the claim to fame. You know, if you're going to have loose men, then you've got to have some sort of intelligence. But when you when you watch the old cackling women on there, and they do cackle, you know, you do get Colleen Nolan, who, if it was a man's based programme and they were talking about women and dribbling over them, there'd be complaints left, right and centre, because it's Colleen Nolan. People write her off as just silly, some silly old fat bird who dribbles over men. I mean, quite clearly, home life not as good as she tries to make out it is. But they, they just, they don't pick up on the right things. They really don't pick up on the right things. And that's, it's a shame. They sort of come up with some really odd things. Really odd things. Why don't, why don't they talk about Katie Price's violent outbursts using every bit of filth language under the sun? Why have they not mentioned that? Surely that's in the, it was in the news. It was in the news. Why was that not mentioned? I don't know. Some, some of the women are very good on there. Uh, some of them are just not very good. And some of them are just very, very weak. And that brings us back to Sarah Khan, who you kicked out of Big Brother the other night. She's not a celebrity. She's a very average, very, very average presenter. And, of course, no doubt she'll be boring the pants off everybody by telling us all about uh, her experiences. She was in there such a short time, it was hardly an experience. Uh, Thomas. No, it isn't. It's Ken. He's, uh, he's in Kidderminster. Well, somebody's got to be, haven't they? I quite like Kidderminster, actually, so I'm, I'm going to let you get away with being in Kidderminster. But he says, any views on yet another slavish following of American habits? Our Olympic team used to be known as GB. Now, just like the American habit, we're known as Team GB. Fueled, of course, by idiotic media presenters. Oh, it costs a fortune to uh, actually put that on the television. It's known as a freebie for all the people working on it. Oh, there'll be hundreds. 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 The BBC love to waste your money. And uh, they're not beholden to anybody apart from themselves. So they love wasting the money. They do the same for the Chelsea Flower Show. They do the same for the Hampton Court Flower Show. They do the same for Wimbledon. That's a great freebie for them. Oh, they're all getting tickets left, right and centre. You know, a bit of a treat to work on it because you don't actually have to work very much. Lots of girls with clipboards. Hello, hello, clipboard girl, clipboard girl. And that's all it is. It's a little, you, you, you count the amount of people who work on programmes. When you see the, the credits on the one show, count them. You'll be horrified. They all do something, apparently. What? We have no idea. Certainly not get the presenters any better, because they just seem to get worse and worse. How much do we spend a year on coconuts? I don't think that many people ate coconuts, but apparently it's a trend. It's become a, a staple of celebrity diets. It hasn't. This is just PR puff. Um, and a cure for lank hair. Oh, grow up, for goodness sake. This is the rubbish they come up with. It's never been a cure for lank hair. Otherwise, I'd be buying some for the producer every day. And stars like Gwyneth Paltrow, Rihanna and Sienna Miller have praised coconut for water for helping them rehydrate after gym sessions. It's a lie. We had this as it was exposed the other day in the paper. They said drinking coconut water is really good for you. They said no different from drinking water. The health benefits are no different. And you don't listen to crackpots, do you? Like uh, like Rihanna and Gwyneth Paltrow and Sienna Miller. Why would you listen to them? They're not experts. Listen to the experts. They tell you drinking a glass of water is exactly the same. Much as though I like to think differently. But apparently I'm wrong as well. And that's a first. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning. I hate strikes. I'm not a strike person. I understand the principle of it because I have been involved in the past with uh, with strikes. But I just don't understand the train strikes. And they've got people from RMT picketing, you know, never mind the bosses. But of course, the bosses aren't affected. It's us, the little people. We're the ones who get affected by this. All the people who were on sort of southern and now... They reckon the Virgin East Coastline, whose main route runs from London to Aberdeen, Edinburgh and Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Leeds, Newark and York. And uh, rail boss minister Paul Maynard accused women bosses of not caring about southern passengers, while Chris Grayling said the RMT was holding it a ransom. They don't care about us. 
They really don't care about us. They, they think that they're getting back at the bosses, but the only people who are being affected by it are us, I'm afraid. Uh, one here, experts at business group London First estimate the five-day strike will cost London £100 million. Oh, well done you. Well done you on that one. And so, you know, people... I mean, you know, 56 passengers use the Virgin East Coast service every day. 56,000 passengers. There's going to be a lot of very, very angry people. No support whatsoever, I wouldn't have thought. Loose men, Sir Wayne Rooney presents. Yes, he would be classed as loose, wouldn't he? I don't know what's worse, Jeff Brazier, Steve, as a life coach, or Bobby from TOWIE with his agony uncle Bob Cast cringe. Oh, dear, anything that uh, poor Bobby Cole Norris does is immensely cringy. Very cringy. Uh, Steve... Uh, Last year, my car insurance was with X. I wrote to say I was going with a new company this year. They took almost £400 from my account. Yes, but I didn't realise that, in fact, and I did read it properly, that I'm with uh, Admiral. Other companies do exist. And uh, and they said, this is your uh, insurance for this year on this car, and it'll be this much, and we'll take that amount on the whatever it is in September. And you don't have to do anything unless you dispute it. In which case, if I actually phone up and say, no, I don't, uh, I'm not buying that. I'm going to go somewhere else. Thank you very much indeed. In which case, they will then say, wait a minute, we'll come back to you. We'll see if we can come back with something better for you. And, uh, but mine is exactly the same at, uh, as, uh, as it was last year. So it blooming well should. So it blooming well should be. I wouldn't mind if they did anything for it, but they don't do anything. But you have to have the insurance to drive on the road. Unless, of course, you've appeared on Interceptors on the television, in which case you wouldn't bother with an insurance, you wouldn't bother with anything. I'm looking at these pictures of these kids who are jumping in the water and trying to attract these seals down at St Ives. They must be mad. Absolutely mad. And stupid parents as well. Never seen seals, but there again, they probably haven't seen an elephant either. Uh, so you must be careful, because I one year I had um, a policy with one of the uh, rescue services. And I gave them my credit card disk. I had them first year round. Second year round, I decided not to bother. And I didn't realise that it's, a, it's just a, a rolling contract with them. So they charged me. So one year I had two. One with um, one of the companies and one with another company. And so I quickly dropped that one on the head. Very, very quickly. I don't like anything like that. I don't like being taken for a ride. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, so the train strikes. Let's hope it doesn't, uh, doesn't get to that. But I have a sneaking feeling that it will. And uh, it's not pushy mums. After little Safi's astonishing intellect dazzled TV viewers, uh, her mum says it's not pushy mums who create a child genius. It's stay-at-home mums. These are the questions she knew the answer to. Who, I mean, this is, this is a young child here. Who was the first Chancellor of the Exchequer in the Thatcher government? Try and answer them if you can. Um... What name is commonly given to the financial deregulation that occurred in the City of London in 1986? She knew these aren't... I mean, these are the answers she knew. The quickfire round was add 88 to 92 and then multiply by four. Which American artist painted herself many times over saying she was the subject she knew best? Multiply 14 by three, subtract 16, multiply by three, divide by two and add 44. What nationality was the composer? Gustav Holst. She knew the answer to all these questions. I mean, that's what I call a bright kid. Now, whether or not it it takes her into adult life and it's going to be very, very useful, I've got no idea. I'm old enough to remember a gifted teenager called Ruth Lawrence. Ruth Lawrence was at Oxford, I think, at the age of 14. An unheard of thing. And she was coached by her father. Um, She turned into a SWAT. She turned into somebody... she She was so clever... She was so clever, she sort of she alienated herself from, from most people of her own age because she was just on a different level. 
Interesting. Uh, Steve, the Beaconsfield beauty, was like a whirlwind today in Western International Market. In and out, before you could say, JFK1. From Western to Wantage, get your cherries. But who is Paul? Oh, I think we know who Paul is. Well, we do on this programme anyway, definitely. Oh, I'm just realised I better do the front of the papers. I was going to do this story, but I don't think many of you will remember Pilt Down Man. Now, the scientific establishment was on tenterhooks, hanging on every word from this archaeologist. Charles Dawson told his audience at the uh, Geological Society in London they had hard evidence of the famous missing link between man and apes. But the 1912 find, Piltdown Man, soon raised suspicions and was eventually dismissed as a hoax. What was unclear until now was whether Dawson himself was the hoaxer. And they've now said... He was the hoaxer. So there was no Piltdown Man. The parts were all put together. The second, the, 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 the first fossil, well, the, the, first of all, it was, a, it was a humanoid skull fragment. The second bit was like an ape-like jawbone. The parts were put together and eventually became Dawson's Dawn Man, cited as proof of a large brain map. But it was just, it was a hoax. There have been many hoaxes over the years, but this one ran for ages. The other long-running one, of course, which is more, more well-known certainly to people in the, in the entertainment business, was the girls who had taken pictures of fairies at the bottom of their garden. All they'd done is cut them out of a magazine and hung them with little bits of thread onto the branches. I don't know why people ever thought it was real, but they kept the lie going. It wasn't a hoax, it was a lie, a blatant lie, until one of them died and then the other one came, uh, came clean and said, we just cut them out, just cut them out. And we hung them on the branches. I mean, for some reason, Victorian society, late Victorian society, believed that there really were fairies at the bottom of the garden. Whereas, of course, anybody will tell you that's uh, an over-enthusiastic mind and a pair of scissors and a piece of cotton. And that's exactly what they did. And so they had a picture of the girls taken with them. It was all sort of cleverly done, but they kept it going for ages. They, they decided that they couldn't sort of not keep the lie going. So they kept it going until I think one of them was in her 80s. The other one had already died. Uh, in the Olympics uh, medal table, GB currently 11th with six medals, says Padita. However, Hungary also have six medals and are in third place as they've got more gold medals. Shouldn't it be the tally? Listen, I'm just grateful we're in there. I mean, 11th doesn't sound great. And I was hoping for a little bit more from Tom Daly. I was hoping for at least gold, at least gold. He's, he's worked hard for it, but you have to accept the fact the Chinese were better. And uh, they were an awful lot better. Uh, broadband firms have been told in all the papers today, stop misleading speed claims. They always go, is your broadband running slow? And you can click onto an app, I think, on your computer. And that will tell you whether or not your broadband's running slow. And then how do you speed it up? And how do you do this? And how do you do that? And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I never, I never know what speed I'm supposed to be getting. I really don't. I was, I was find it most... most uh, most alarming, I think, most of the time they go, your computer's running very slow. But I did have, used to have a laptop, and my laptop ran slower than anything I'd ever had in my entire life. It was absolutely atrocious. Till somebody said, but you just need to sort of clean it up every so often. But I didn't know how to do that. Somebody else had to do it for me. Uh, the Daily Express, the 90-degree heat wave to roast Britain. For many of you, probably an absolute godsend, and you're probably really looking forward to it. To the rest of us, a nightmare. Can't go outside. Burn to pieces. You know, really uncomfortable. Need to go and buy a hat. Need to make sure we've got sun cream if you're putting kids out there as we uh, go into this heat wave. I think within a few days you will experience some really cracking temperatures if you like that kind of thing. Not me. Carrie Grant, the bisexual secrets. Hardly a secret. People have known about it for ages. Uh, the UK's new eye surgery, shame. We're one of the worst in the West for cataract operations. Uh, the Daily Star. 
The Big Brother acts over live naked sex romps. Slightly disturbing for Lewis the Boar and uh, some dreadful old baggage called Marnie from uh, which part of the country I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, the Daily Mirror, Cliff's last goodbye to dying sister. She was the inspiration for his career. And the sun this morning, plod, save the queen. Three break-ins in the palace. 14 minutes it took them last time to find somebody. A bit worrying, isn't it, really? Have a great day. You can listen to LBC. Do download that free LBC app. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Hugh Muir looking at the papers. But next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.